Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. Wow, it's Friday already. Can you believe that? Five days in. Five days into January already. The first week done in the tank. It's Friday indeed. Welcome to, again, this edition of the Hagman Report. Broadcast live, Global Star Radio Network, as well as BTR, and on YouTube, where we're... Actually, we're just doing audio tonight. We are resetting some cameras, some uh, calibra- doing some calibration. Eric explained it to me, and I'm not sure exactly what he said to me. All I heard was, wah, you know, uh, the technical stuff, of course. But th- thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for your support and faith and belief in us. By the way, this weekend, don't forget, uh, Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time will be our video conference What's the correct terminology, Eric, for that the meeting. show? The meeting. The Patreon the... monthly Hagman right. meeting. Right. And, uh, looking forward to that. And, and the link for that will be on Patreon at 6.30. That's... So you just have to log yeah. in, go to yeah. our page and click the link. Alright. We need a mic up here, or... So I've never, I've never, uh, messed around on Patreon. You have, if you, if you are a donor, you get a login. Okay. Right. Okay. okay. All right. So, yeah, I don't know if any of that went on over the air, but but no, we're excited about that. And thank you so much for your belief and your support in us. Look, there's so much news. I'm I'm telling you right now, there is so much news. And of course, um, after the show, what will go up will be a video about a five minute video about um, the addressing the Clinton Foundation, uh, the reopen or the opening of the Clinton Foundation investigation, as well as the reopening of the email investigation, of Hillary Clinton. This is big news. Uh, just, but however, however, keep in mind, on some of the crimes, there's a five year statute of limitations. Now, Hillary Clinton left the Department of State when February, well, February of 2013. So you've got. February 1st of 2013. So, yeah. uh, count uh, five years from there. It is what? February 1st of 2018, which is just three weeks away. So I, I do... that's planned? Well, no, no, I don't. Uh, number one, I I know for a fact that a lot of this investigation began quite a, quite a few months ago. Months ago. However, this is... They're in overdrive over the next couple of weeks, or they, they will be. Some of the articles I read stated that Sessions and the DOJ have been working for this behind the scenes yes, they for have. a few months now. Now, I find that hard to believe, but oh, I don't. Let's, uh, I don't. let's hope for the best. In this case, I don't. And remember, people that know what's going on don't talk. As a rule, they don't talk. And the people that have no clue usually are the ones that are talking. In this case, I find it refreshing that there have been no leaks about this. Yet there was one, John Solomon reported that one uh, person was interviewed in Little Rock. That news came out yesterday, and that person was interviewed, uh, I guess it was late last month. However, according to one of my sources uh, in the in the um, FBI, there have been a couple of interviews that were conducted late fall. So 
just do the do the math on that. So I do think that there's there's movement there. So anyway, tonight we've got Dr. Ted Brower, HealthMasters.com. I want to tell you that tonight's broadcast is brought to you by HealthMasters.com. If you're not getting your nutritional supplements, including and especially your ultimate multiple vitamin, if look, you got to be taking an ultimate, you got to be taking the multiple vitamin, and you might as well do so. Not might as well. You should be doing so via HealthMasters. They've got the absolute best. Healthmasters.com. If you do nothing else, if you do nothing else, order your ultimate multiple vitamin from Healthmasters.com. But you should do much more, of course, in this uh, world in which we live and how we're getting pounded every you know, six ways to Sunday from uh, well, from all of the toxins that we to which we are exposed. So, with that, is one. Give me a thumbs up. Oh, we we okay. We do have ten on. Yep. All right. Ted, Ted Brower, Dr. Ted Brower, Happy New Year. Doug, Joe, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to the entire listeners of the Hagman uh, Worldwide Broadcast. It's my pleasure and my great honor to be back on with you guys again tonight. Thank you for having me on for the new year. We're going to talk about New Year's resolutions. We're going to cover a bunch of health topics tonight, plus a bunch of other world news topics. And, and, and Joe, you asked your dad something, and let me just digress for just one second. You know, it does seem strange to me that we don't really know what's going on with the investigation of Hillary and that the statute of limitations for many of these things expires next month. And to me, it would be very convenient if if the administration in Washington did not bring charges until the statute of limitations had been expired. Of course, the charges would no longer be valid. And to me, it's just very strange that, you know, Donald Trump has repeatedly said that the Clintons were friends of his. And we don't, we haven't seen any investigation take place because, Doug, I've really never seen a full-blown investigation last, you know, up until and past the statute of limitations before any charges are being laid out. But I don't know. Well, you know, we could all be surprised because all of us want to have Hillary brought to justice, especially with the Clinton Foundation, especially for the horrible things they did to those children down in Haiti and the lack of, and not giving the funds that were brought into their foundation for those children down there and how they just absolutely can't stand them. The Haitians, in fact, Trump talked about this during the campaign, but I just hope and I pray that something happens as far as with all of the things that she did. I found it very strange that her residence up there in Chappaqua, or whatever you pronounce that, uh, burned, and you know, and who knows what was in that residence as far as what was burned. And so it's interesting to me, Doug and Joe, it's kind of like the Rose Law Firm. I was going to say, Clinton, uh, Ted, Ted, what burned were the Rose Law Firm uh, files. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, but it was just, I wouldn't it was doubt just, that. I wouldn't, you know. Yeah, because, because, you know, the Rose Law Firm burns, you know, mysteriously when all that cocaine trafficking was going on with the DEA and the CIA down in Arkansas when they were governor and the first lady of Arkansas, I guess you'd call her, the first Sabbatean witch I'd call her. But that's the whole thing is that we don't really understand you know what was in that house, but we have a good idea since she likes to lose emails by the tens of thousands. I'm sure if she lost servers by the dozens or hard drives by the dozens in a fire, that it would not surprise anybody listening to the show today. But let's go ahead and jump on some nutrition stuff, unless you had something else you wanted to say about that, Doug. No, I, well, one thing just to add: the um, statute of limitations apply to certain felonies and misdemeanors. The the, uh, um, the major felonies. You know the uh, the trees and the stuff would be superseded or would supersede. So um, yeah, I, I get I get all that, but uh, not all of the felonious uh, or felonies or potential felonies would be would expire based on the, the five year statute of limitations with respect to the emails. But having said that, you're right. It's it's uh, but in this one, I've got a little bit of faith, a little bit more than 
so in, in other matters. But yeah, let, let's go. Well, let's well let, me, let me let me let me ask you, you know, like, what do they call it? The uh, forbidden fruit, I guess, in court. If some if one investigation leads up to another investigation, and the first investigation that led to the second investigation was not done properly, aren't they? They're not allowed to use the second investigation, are they, Doug? If it's ruled inadmissible. Um. Well, I, I think I think the answer that, to that question would be. That sounds like it's uh, you're talking about evidence, not yeah, uh, yeah. Let's let, 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 let me just 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 playing the advocate here. Let's say that Hillary Clinton's evidence that led her to felonies that were treasonous were to be found out, but those things that she had done were now considered under the statute out of, outside of the statute of limitations. Could that still be used to prosecute her for the things that they found through that evidence? Um, the, the short answer to that is no, not directly. The, the, That's what I thought. Okay. However, if, for example, uh, a crime occurred and and it was not exposed, for example, until a year ago, so, so in other words, um, there was a crime that existed. However, it was not addressed or found out to to a year ago. That begins the legal clock. Uh, it begin it it begins when a crime is realized, not necessarily when it's um, when it took place. Right, yeah. and in certain, not, I'm not a lawyer. I say this. It, it, there's exceptions to that, and, and that could itself be an exception. But that is something else to keep in mind as well. It's not. It's, you know, people think the law is really clear cut. It's not. Not. Me. Not. Yeah. No. And I have, I have a friend of mine up in, in up in actually he's up in Columbus, Ohio. He's got a big church up there, and he had a person in the nursery one day working for him, and then. There were like six other people working in the nursery, and then the mother took the child home and said that there was a bruise where somebody had gripped the child by the wrist. Apparently the child was acting up, and there were some finger marks, bruise marks, on the child's wrist. Yet when it went to court, none of the other testimony from any of the other people that were present was considered valid, nor were they even allowed to testify. And this pastor was fined, I believe it was $3 million the church had to pay, in damages to this mother whose child supposedly had been bruised, even though the evidence was clear that it had never happened in that church, but the evidence was never allowed to be presented. So you're right, Doug. When you get into the law and you start getting into these really, really sharp attorneys and how they can suppress evidence, it becomes one of those things. It's like my attorney's better than your attorney kind of stuff. Exactly. It's um, and really, yeah, yeah. I'll stop there because we could we could have this conversation for hours. But yes, oh, I know. Very but, interesting but, but, times. But, but, yeah. but I've got Go some ahead. I've got some exciting news for you. I just I, this is brand new nutrition information. I just got this off the dog on uh, uh, off, 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 off the grid here. It says that iodine supplements have been used successfully for treating adult onset diabetes and other diseases at higher dosing. Uh, we know that the the minimal dosing that many people now say you have to have with an iodine supplement is 12.5 milligrams. That's the minimum you need. Uh, our health master's iodine is 12.5 milligrams. But they said that if you increase that to 50 milligrams a day, that it massively reduces the amount of insulin that you need to take if you're an adult-onset diabetic. Let me give you an example. This one woman came into the clinic. She was 320 pounds. She was an insulin-dependent diabetic. And when they increased her insulin to 50 milligrams, I'm not, I'm sorry, not insulin, her iodine, I'm not suggesting that anybody does this without doctor supervision, okay? When they increased the, the milligram dosage of iodine to 50 a day, I mean, her, her, she had tremendous results. Her random blood sugar levels, I get this, were at 1,380 before the iodine regimen started, and that was with the insulin. 
she was hospitalized and started on insulin and instructed to follow the glutamate readings. She was also put on a suitable diet and along with 50 milligrams of iodine, and within four weeks, her glucometer readings were at 98. In other words, she went from 1,380 to 98 on the proper diet, and she had quit all her diabetes medications, including the insulin. And I wanted to report on this because when I read this the other day, you know, when I had my clinic, for years and years and years, we worked with folks with high blood sugar, you know, with their medical doctors. And what we found was dietary change alone, in most cases, will help to eliminate high blood sugar. It works very, very well. In fact, you can use fresh lemon, one ounce of fresh lemon juice to nine ounces of distilled water, and you can sweeten it with stevia, make really good lemonade out of it. That really helps with a lot of people, especially when you cut out the high glycemic of the high-carbohydrate foods like pasta, rice, potatoes. It's amazing what you can do with just that. Then when you add the turmeric to it, you add the iodine to it, you add the insulin support to it, all of these different things that we have on the Hagman blood sugar protocol, the blood sugar comes down very, very quickly, just like it does with this lady. And so I thought that was absolutely fascinating about using the 50 milligrams of potassium iodide every single day. And I know that dosing for like if you get exposed to radiation or if a nuclear plant blows up close to you, if there's a nuclear detonation, you should be taking 75 milligrams a day until the nuclear threat passes. So the reality is, it's not going to hurt you in the short term, but before you increase your iodine to that much, I, I highly recommend you check with your medical doctor because what you don't want to have happen is start that. Your blood sugar drops off too low too fast, and you pass out behind the wheel of your car because you're still taking insulin. So be very, very careful with that kind of information and just realize that you know you need to be really checking with your medical doctor before you do anything as far as reducing or eliminating any type of medication. What do you think, Doug? Absolutely. You should always... Uh check with your doctors and even for over-the-counter stuff and, and other things that uh, you never know what, what can cause the the, intera- the the bad interactions and side effects um, you know from mixing up or messing around with over-the-counter drugs and other supplements w- with the current medications you're taking you should always check with your doctor that's right yeah that's and, exactly and, right. and, and uh, look folks uh, you know as as a type 2 adult onset diabetic myself uh, taking your supplements and it, now that I'm talking a couple of years ago, a number of years ago, uh, when I first started taking your supplements, they worked so well. I was taking the other medication. It what happened was I had too low blood sugar, too low blood That's sugar. Right. You know, so yeah, you gotta you gotta watch because your stuff is is pretty marvelous, I'd say. But anyway, well, no, it really works, especially our new multiple powder. It's the best I've ever seen. In fact, Sharon had ridges on her fingernails. I mentioned that before on your show, and they completely cleared up, and her fingernails are like talons now. They're so strong. By the way, it just happened. We got the release on this this past week. Over in England, the British the British medical journal Lancet has reported on a story of a woman who beat blood cancer with turmeric after her chemotherapy failed. Now, this is a uh, an article by Callaghan. Callahan. It says, a British retiree is turning heads the globe over after she completely reversed her myeloma using only a component found in turmeric. After multiple rounds of chemotherapy and stem, stem cell transplants failed to stop the disease, hers is the first medically recorded case that these guys know about, by the way, of its kind, and it brings us to the greatest joy in the world that you bring this news. And basically, myeloma is a cancer that affects blood plasma cells. Leukemia and lymphoma are the other two blood cancers. And the Daily Mail reports that a woman who had battled this cancer for years without success has finally halted the disease with turmeric, has been reported. And she's reported now she's basically been, has been completely cancer-free for five years. And what I find fascinating about this, 
They won't say she cured the disease. They won't say any of that, okay? But they'll say she halted the disease, which I'm okay with that too. If she halted it or stopped it or eliminated it or whatever you want to call it, I'm good. In fact, the article right out of the Daily Mail gives a lady's name. It was Deacon Ferguson, and it says she was 67 years old and had given up on on the grueling treatments and chemotherapy. She started taking 8 grams of the turmeric a day and basically basically completely got rid of cancer. I know Katie, Dave Hodges' old you know, co-host on his show, uh, when she was diagnosed with breast cancer a few years ago, uh, she started taking large dosing of turmeric along with potassium iodine, D3K2. She was working with her doctor out there in Colorado, and she was also doing intravenous vitamin C. And within just about three to four to five months, she came back completely cancer-free according to the research and the testing that they were doing. So I thought that was pretty cool, too, that she was able to do that. And then I've got another friend of mine. They worked with a doctor up in South Carolina. He did the, basically the same protocol, and his son had been diagnosed with a malignant glial tumor, which is the same thing that John McCain has, and he recovered from it also, uh, which is like a miracle because the pancreatic cancer and glial tumors, uh, those are the two that are really, not that any cancer is good because all cancers are horrible, but those two are the really, really bad ones that have such high mortality rates. In fact, in some cases, the the glial tumors have, you know, pretty much a 97%, 100% mortality rate. And then the also, the in some cases also, they have huge mortality rates with pancreatic cancer also. In fact, most doctors know you basically leave the pancreas alone and you don't mess with the pancreas whatsoever because it's too important, too vital of an organ because of what it does for digestion and everything else. So it's been pretty interesting to watch all of these natural protocols suddenly come to to, to basically to fruition with all of the people guys all over the world are now seeing this actually listed in the British Medical Journal Lancet. Now, another study that was done, this is another really good one, it says that women who are pregnant who eat up to nine organic, I'm putting organic in there, eat up to nine eggs a day have babies with higher IQ. IQs. It says that eggs contain choline, which is also found in red meat, fish, poultry, and nuts. And the choline boosts babies' memories and abilities to process information. Expected mothers may require double the recommended choline intake a day. And researchers believe that women may, who are worrying about eggs because of their unhealthy reputation, that is simply not true. Now, what's, what's funny about all of this is that on the average, one egg contains about 115 milligrams of choline, but you have to have 930 milligrams of choline in your diet every single day, which is around six eggs. But now they're saying that women who do more than that have higher, higher IQ scores. Now, I find that fascinating because, you know, eggs have one of the highest protein efficiency ratios of any protein out there. In fact, they're the highest. Everything else is based upon the protein efficiency ratio of eggs. So what I always have told people for many years, Doug and Joe, is don't just eat egg whites. That's a ridiculous waste of half the egg, and a lot of the choline and all the other things are in the egg white, in the, in the yellow parts of the eggs, along with large, large amounts of sulfur. So it's really, really important that you eat the entire egg and not just the white of the egg. It's critical that you do that. And quite frankly, it never made any sense to me just to eat the egg whites by themselves because you really need the entire nutrient complex of the egg. But isn't that amazing that they're saying that pregnant women have children with higher IQ scores. Now, another thing that will help do that, that that's also, it does. Another thing that they're saying too is cod liver oil, omega-3 fats. That when a woman is in her last trimester, the baby's brain development is taking place, and that large amounts of the omega-3 fat is being pulled from the mother's brain to develop the fetus, 
And when that happens, it really increases the risks of postpartum depression. And that when a child is being given enough omega-3 fats, the last trimester, they have good brain development and it massively reduces the risks of postpartum depression. So to me, what I would take from this if I was a pregnant woman is eat more eggs and at least in the last trimester, make sure you have enough cod liver oil or omega-3 fats in your diet. In addition to that, make sure you get plenty of B vitamins, including biotin to help prevent spinal bifida and, and biotin and folic acid in your diet every single day. And we have an excellent prenatal nutrition product that gives you all of that, all, all of those nutrients at once in a little packet when you're pregnant. You take one a day. But isn't that interesting about how they're now finding all of this stuff linked back to nutrition? Absolutely. And I remember last time you were on, Ted, you talked about the uh, pushing <clears throat> pushing of vaccines and flu shots on pregnant women and how crazy that was. But, uh, but no, pre- prenatal but care is so important. It, 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 well, it doesn't matter. First of all, number one, we've got to look at the numbers. The United States leads the world when it comes to infant death rates as far as industrialized nations. I mean, we've got a huge, horrible problem with infant death rates in the United States. And personally, I think that the globalists know that, and the globalists are doing everything they possibly can as far as population reduction through eugenics, and they're pushing things that they know are going to basically cause a higher infant death rate, including immunizations to the woman when she's pregnant. Now, think about this, too. If you've got neurological, let's just go, let's do the math on it. You know, we have exponential cell growth in the body for a baby to become like from a single cell to a, you know, eight or nine pound baby when they're born over a nine month period. So when you have a cell that's being divided two to four to 16 and then it just goes up and up and up, what ends up happening is as long as it's continuing to double, double, double 32, 64, 128, if you put mercury into that body of that child through the mother, via an immunization, Joe and Doug, and you kill some of those primary cells and never have a chance to reproduce, you're not just killing those that several cells that are exposed to the mercury. You're killing all of the division of all of those cells all the way up to delivery. Does that make sense? Yes. So you could be killing you may kill one, but you may kill millions of cells. Because those cells never form. They never develop properly. And so that child is born with, you know, impaired brain development and lower IQ scores. Because the brain was basically uh, given mercury at a very, very young age. It was extremely toxic. And so, of course, so is aluminum. But they're pouring all this stuff into these kids. Now, another thing I want to mention to the show before, while we're still at the beginning of the show, there's a new three-part series available online. It's free. You can get it on YouTube. And it's called Sacrificial Virgins Documentary, How the HPV Vaccine is Destroying Teenage Girls. Please, if you've got a teenage girl, if you have friends who have a teenage girls, please have them watch this. Because the HPV vaccine is currently one of the most heavily pushed and popular vaccines with young girls, but it's also one of the worst offenders when it comes to adverse reactions on a different scale of any other mass-administered vaccine. And I agree with that 100%. And we have to realize that women, girls, are going into what is called premature ovarian failure with the HPV, the Gardasil shots. And basically, that's a fancy name for menopause, early onset menopause. And these girls are going into this at 15, 16, 17, 18 years of age, which, again, is rendering them sterile for the rest of their lives. Plus, they're getting all kinds of chronic fatigue problems. A lot, Some of them, multiple ones have already died from it. Thousands and thousands of girls have bad reactions. In fact, one of the lead researchers with the HPV Gardasil vaccine has come out against it now and said that it's not worth the risk to give it to these children, and it simply doesn't work. So, guys, if you've got girls at home, it's so important that you understand that you really need to be thinking about all the stuff that you're giving these girls. Super, super important. What do you guys think? No, Ted, just as I said earlier, obviously 
anybody who's pregnant, you need to consider the health of your baby. That's first and foremost. First and foremost, and anything you put into your body is obviously going to affect the baby. And uh, it's one of the most important things for the development of infants is to make sure that you are, uh, you know, eating properly, eating healthy, so the babies get the babies get the same nutrients and the nutrients that they need. Yeah, that's true. And also, by the way, now a new study has been released showing that the HPV vaccine can actually be. You can fight against it by using turmeric again. Same thing the lady used to have the cancer earlier on the broadcast. And so it's interesting to me. They said that they, they said it's the clearance of the cervical human papillomavirus virus infection by topical application of curcumin and curcumin containing polyherbal creams. This is a phase two randomized control study. So again, they're using these different nutrients now. And by the way, there's a huge cover up on turmeric in the mainstream media, in the mainstream science. They don't want people to realize that this thing does so much, including reducing the risks of, of, of adult onset diabetes, according to the medical journal in India, that you have a 100% chance of not coming down with adult onset diabetes if you use turmeric on a regular basis. All of these things are being covered up. It's so important that people understand that right now we've got this huge problem with all of these different vaccines we're giving these guys. And we also need to realize, when I talked about infant mortality rates a few minutes ago, that, you know, the new CDC map reveals a huge racial gap across the United States when it comes to infant mortality rates. In fact, infant mortality across the country has remained stable, about 5.9 deaths per 1,000 live births, but there are significant disparities from state to state. Massachusetts had the best infant survival rate. Mississippi had the worst. There was a 4.8 per 100,000 difference between the two during the period between 2013 and 2015. Infant mortality rates were the highest for babies of black mothers, more than tripling the rates for newborn with white mothers in some states. Now, I'm going to address this, and this is so important that it comes across right. The biggest factor that is associating with this right now, as far as I'm concerned, is the use of the immunizations during pregnancy and immediately following pregnancy, linking it to infant death rate. Uh, Dr. Robert Mendelson wrote an excellent book. It's called Confessions of a Medical Heretic. Now, he was a pediatrician by trade, and he also wrote another book called How to Have a Healthy Child in Spite of Your Doctor. Both these books are still in print. You can still get them. You can get them on use for like a dollar a piece on Amazon. Now, what's interesting about both of these books is he linked directly in the books the incidence of infant mortality to vaccinations. And I believe he was 100%. Of course, he was silenced in his early 60s. And he suddenly was no more, and he was suddenly dead. They found him dead in the bed, and he was very thin and very good shape. So I have no idea why the guy died, except for foul play was involved as far as I'm concerned, but I can't prove that. That is my opinion. But this is, he died back in the 80s. But what's interesting about this is the information that we have that's coming across as far as vaccinations are this. Parents that are well-educated, parents that read alternative news research, people that read alternative health research, people that have college degrees have healthier children because they, in a, you know, in aggregate, use less vaccinations, period. That's just a fact. And so that's one of the reasons that the CDC has gotten so mad at college-educated white people because they're the group that's not vaccinating their kids because they're seeing all of these children coming down with these horrible side effects and symptoms, including autism, and they're linking it back to the vaccinations now. In fact, if you want to watch another good movie, you can get it. I believe it's free now online. It's called Vaxxed, V-A-X-X-E-D. It's on YouTube for free, and you can watch the one that was such a big brouhaha a couple of years about. At, 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 I believe it was the Treblinka Film Festival in which they banned it, and it goes into detail on how the CDC has covered up the research linking autism into the MMR vaccine 
in black boys. I mean, it was direct Lincoln. They were told to destroy the data. And all of this information is covered in that movie, Vax, which, again, is available for free now on YouTube, online. And I think everybody who's pregnant or has friends that are pregnant, that they send them the link and they let them watch that link. It's so important. What, what do you guys think about that? What do you think about the fact that we've got all this massive cover-up with these kids that have been injected with all of these different compounds, including aluminum and formaldehyde and, and fetal cells, and, and they're dying at such a high rate, and they're coming, getting so sick, and they're having these problems with you know, neurological development from the vaccines, but yet the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, Trump said that he was going to set up a vaccine commission with, uh, with Kennedy, and he has refused to do that or has not done so at this point. And so he's even put Gutlieb into the Food and Drug Administration, who's a huge globalist and big pusher of vaccines. And we've talked about that at length on this show. Why do you think that the mainstream media, why do you think they won't allow us to know the truth about vaccines? Is it because they're primary advertisers or the pharmaceutical corporations? Or are they being told or being hushed up and told not to talk about it because of the eugenics protocol? All of the above, I would say. Yeah. It's, the, yeah. it's part of their agenda. It's part of their belief system. It, they get paid to promote it. Uh, this is what, you know, they do what they're told, and, and this is a great example. Well, like like last year, you know, we had hundreds of, over 300,000 abortions with Planned Parenthood, and the United States government gave them $500 million in subsidies uh, through our tax dollar. They had, you know, it's, it's crazy. They were paid, what, several thousand dollars per abortion from our tax dollars that you had to pay, Doug, you had to pay, Joe, I had to pay, Austin had to pay. I mean, they held a gun to our head, so to speak, metaphorically, and said, you're going to pay your taxes or we're going to take your stuff, and we'll do what we want to do with your with the money because money's fungible. You say, well, I didn't pay for the taxes, but you can move money around after you, you achieve it you know, because you have to pay bills everywhere. So it really bothers me that we're actually being forced to do this and that the government is forcing us to pay for abortions. I don't like any of this. By the way, hysterectomies in women before the age of 35 have now shown to quadruple the woman's risk of heart failure and increase obesity rates by up to 20%. A hysterectomy is an operation, of course, to remove the woman's uterus. In some cases, they take the ovaries out also. It is standard procedure to treat uterine conditions like endometriosis and fibroids. However, new research is suggesting the surgery, once thought a risk-free surgery, could have significant health risks down the line. While many of these conditions are premenopausal, this operation paves the way to treat severe postmenopausal conditions, and now they're being linked to heart disease and to early death. I mean, so this is absolutely nuts. This is happening to the population and women, and they're being experimented on. The study analyzed the data on 2,000 women who had hysterectomy but kept their ovaries between 1980 and 2002, all from the Olmstead County of Minnesota, where the Mayo Clinic is based. All of the women were over the age of 18 at the time of their procedure and had undergone the procedure to treat a benign disease. Their data, which was drawn from the Rochester Epidemiological Project, basically showed that you know these people were having massive increases in cardiovascular and metabolic conditions. So I don't know what to say about this, but I'll say this very clearly. There's a book out you can read. It's not available online that I've been able to find, and it's called The Castrated Woman. And it talks about these complete hysterectomies that so many people have had, so many women have had, you know, at very, very young ages, and what it does to them. Because remember, in the pre-development process, when mammals are first conceived, they're conceived as females. And it's the Y chromosome which triggers the woman to produce testosterone, which allows the secondary sex characteristics to develop. So what happens is the ovaries turn into the testicles, the clitoris turns into the penis, but what happens is, you know, this 
ovary that you, this woman has continues to produce estrogen and a variety of other different types of hormones, including testosterone. And when you take the ovaries out, especially at a young age, it's like castrating a male because it's the same tissue that's being removed. So it's very, very unhealthy to do that. I remember a few years ago, I think I mentioned this on the last show that we had done, you know, Sharon had a tumor, a benign water cyst tumor on her left ovary, and they had to remove it because they couldn't get the tumor off of it. And I, he, the doctor wanted to do both ovaries at the same time and the uterus and everything else. I told him, absolutely not. We're not going to castrate my wife. We're not going to change her personality like that. Because if you castrate a male, you massively sedate them and change. They become a different person. They become very, very docile in most cases. So it's one of those things that we always tell folks, always get a different opinion. Because sometimes you may have to have the ovaries taken out. But the vast majority of time, you do not when you have a hysterectomy. If you decide to get a hysterectomy because of, because of endometriosis or whatever, but there are also natural treatment protocols you can do for endometriosis, which don't involve removing the uterus, guys. What do you think about that? I don't know, Ted. It's, a, it's over my head, really, when it well, comes to the, the women's health and, and all the ins and outs that, that goes with the, the hysterectomies. Yeah, and I mean, it, we're born with this stuff. Don't take it out if you don't have to, right? Well, yeah, it's like it's like it's like taking it's like taking out the, uh, the you know the appendix or taking out the tonsils. They're part of the they're part of the the, the 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 immune system support for the body. I mean, you don't want to take that stuff out unless you absolutely had to. It's just not necessary. The gallbladder, same thing. You know, so yeah. many people have their gallbladders removed, have all these side effects from the gallbladder surgery. If there's natural ways you can take care of your gallbladder. Just take care of your gallbladder. And don't worry about having to remove it like that. I mean, I don't know of anybody who's not had some type of side effect from having gallbladders removed. I mean, I mean everybody. Now, sometimes it's not as severe. Sometimes it's very, very severe. But the reality is, is a lot of times you can go on a special type of fast. You can get offline there. They work really, really well to help clean out the gallbladder. By the way, e-cigarettes are now becoming a gateway to tobacco. Teenagers who use them thinking they're cool are twice as likely to smoke, a new study has revealed. Among 10,000 U.S. teenagers, those that tried e-cigarettes were 2.5 times more likely to start smoking cigarettes in the following year. Another study found that the devices may help adults quit smoking cigarettes. But the e-liquid still contains addictive nicotine that teens can get hooked on very quickly. Vaping has become increasingly popular among teenagers, posing a serious addiction risk to a third of the youths that report using the devices. Now, guys, plus there's all kinds of chemicals in these vapes that you really need to be thinking about before you put them into your body. And some of them can be as bad, if not worse, than actual cigarette smoke. So be very, very careful when you get this stuff. Be very, very careful if you're going to try this if you're a kid, thinking you're going to look cool because, guys, you don't want to get addicted to nicotine. It's very difficult to get off of. And it's one of those things that you'll be dealing with it for a really long time if you are addicted to it, Doug and Joe. What do you guys think? Well, personally, I can attest to that, Ted. Uh, I've had my battles of smoking throughout the years. and. Yeah, none of this is good. E-cigarettes. It, it's interesting how um, it's just interesting. It, it, to me, it's an interesting development with with the the vaping. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I get it. But hey, just hey, don't forget. Fifty years ago, the doctors were recommending certain brands of cigarettes, or at least saying that publicly for uh, various uh, issues. You know. Uh, well, you know, Doug. That's when I really had a huge break. Back in the 80s, when these cigarette companies got called before you left to Congress, and you had these top PhDs, I mean from prestigious Ivy League schools, top PhDs that were testifying before Congress, Congress and swearing under oath, under oath, that nicotine wasn't addictive. I mean, I mean these are just, these were these paid hired guns is all they were. They'd do whatever you told them to do. 
I mean, they're swearing under oath that nicotine was not addictive. And I, it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever seen. And that's when I finally began to realize in earnest how unbelievably corrupt the uh, entire scientific community has become now with special interest groups and with funding because so many of these universities, they're given huge grants to tell us that a certain product or a certain drug is safe and they're told to find out a certain result about this particular drug. I mean, Duke got busted for it just a few years ago. And what ends up happening is, in many cases, they're not giving you accurate information. And so it's really important that we understand that you've got to look at double-blind clinical research that can be documented and can be duplicated because a lot of times when they try to reduplicate this kind of stuff, it doesn't work. Let me give you another example on that. Uh, a few years ago, they were trying to prove that aspartame was safe. And so they were not, they were, what they were doing is they weren't coating the rat food in aspartame. They were putting aspartame pellets beside the other pellets, which were clearly distinguishable in the rat feed. And the rats refused to eat the aspartame. So then the research came back and said, aspartame is safe. It doesn't cause any cancer in these rats because the rats weren't eating it. <laughs> okay. They, they weren't eating it. And so the control group was just getting rat chow. And, and so the other group was getting rat chow and aspartame. And so the control group and the rat chow with aspartame in it group was the same. So they came up with this bogus study that aspartame doesn't cause cancer because neither group got cancer. This wasn't statistically different. That's how they do stuff like this. They set up the parameters in the control study to force the results that they want, and then the products are basically put onto the market. That's why up to 50% of the drugs that are approved by the Food and Drug Administration either have their warning labels changed or are pulled off the market within five years because of nonsense like this. And folks need to understand this is what's happening with almost all of the medicine that we're being given. And then when you allow the pharmaceutical corporations to have carte blanche access to the United States consumer via television infomercials and commercials on all the major networks, it's crazy. In Europe, that's illegal. The companies that sell drugs and, and consumer drugs like, you know, Prozac, Zoloft, etc., they're not allowed to advertise on TV in Europe, especially in Germany. They're not, they're not allowed to. They're, they told them no because they don't want the people basically being promoted information from the drug company that's trying to push their product and then going to their doctor to get a prescription for it. They don't want that. They want the doctors to be trained first on the aspects of the drug and the side effects of the drug and then tell the patients what's good and what's bad rather than letting a consumer that doesn't have any scientific training believe the lies of the advertisers about how good this drug is going to be. I mean, they'll tell you that if you have joint problems, you know, you need to take this drug. And then they, sh and they show you after you supposedly took this joint drug that you're running through the fields chasing butterflies with a net. I mean, I've seen this commercial. You're running through the fields chasing butterflies with a net. And they're telling you how great you're going to feel and you have your youth back and all of these subliminal things you're getting from this advertising. And then come the disclaimers. Oh, by the way, you may have permanent arthritis, permanent disability, permanent joint damage. You may have thoughts of suicide or suicidal thoughts or tendencies. And they start giving you all of this stuff. And then on top, and then they say, and you may have sudden death and cardiac arrest. Okay, well, they've already had you running through the field chasing butterflies. That's where your mind still is. And they give you all of these disclaimers at the end. And you're thinking, well, it's worth the risk to chase butterflies with my net back to the fields like I did when I was young. So I'm going to try that. That's the kind of nonsense these guys do on an ongoing basis. It's completely and totally misleading advertising. Doug and Joe, and personally, I don't think that should, should be allowed. And it's, again, it's kind of like this globalist mantra. These guys want to make as much money as they possibly can, regardless of the side effects. I remember years ago, I was reading in the Financial Times, and it says the goal of many of these pharmaceutical corporations was to find a, quote, cure for cancer 
that would not get rid of the cancer, but make it a long-term debilitating disease like diabetes, in which they could give you cancer drugs and cancer treatment for years, if not decades, to increase the profits of the corporations. That was in the Financial Times. I mean, who in the world talks like that? I mean, why would you want to have somebody addicted to a drug that's going to cause all types of debilitating effects just so you can have increases in profits? And that's why the book of Revelation says that these guys that are involved in all this pharmacia and all this other kind of stuff, basically says they're all going to hell. I mean, how in the world can you think that it's okay to do stuff like this and sell these drugs and do all these things and make it okay? Now, I believe that drugs have their place. I believe that you have, if you have a disease like diabetes, you know, you know, juvenile diabetes, and you have to take insulin every day, that's what you have to do. I believe if you're in an accident and you have severe injury, they've got to put you on some sort of painkiller, morphine, or whatever, and they, it's going to be temporarily, and it's going to be something they have to do because of a trauma that you've incurred. Okay, go ahead and do it. But this long-term addiction to drugs, when there are natural treatment protocols available, Doug and Joe, doesn't make any sense to me. Well, how about you guys? Kind of like Novocaine on a uh, on a tooth. You you, uh, you don't need long term Novocaine uh, uh, therapy. You, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, I understand that. I well, it's the that. same thing. It's like it's like it's like with headaches. If you got a problem with a headache, you don't have a deficiency of aspirin or Tylenol or Advil. You know, you may have a serious problem. You may have a brain tumor. You may have high blood sugar. You may have uh, you know diabetes. You may have low blood sugar. You could be hypoglycemic. There are all kinds of things that can cause a headache. But when you treat it with these drugs. You don't really know what caused the headache. You're just treating the symptom of the headache and make the headache go away. You can, heck, you can have a caffeine withdrawal headache. I mean, there are all kinds of things that cause it, but you don't get rid of the condition by treating the, the, the problem. And so it creates a lot more problems than it does. By the way, the uh, weather now up in the northeast and over in Britain also is causing rickets to skyrocket in children, by the way, increasing cloud cover, which, by the way, I will add to this article by Chemtrails, as far as I'm concerned, have made the levels of bone softening condition the highest they've been in 50 years. This is rickets. This is a lack of vitamin D3. Previous research reveals people require at least six hours of sunshine every month Rising sea temperatures, according to this article, mean Britons receive four hours less than they need, and vitamin D is vital for the absorption of calcium and phosphorus. These minerals contribute to bone strength and prevent rickets development. Rickets can cause bow legs, curvature of the spine, and thickened wrists. Guys, the thing about rickets is this. Any of these bone diseases like this that are caused with it, especially with children, they massively have been increased now because of chemtrails, and because of sunscreen. Sunscreen does the same thing because it blocks the absorption of the, the uh, light into the skin to convert the cholesterol into D3. Now, what's interesting about this is the chemtrails have done this, as far as I'm concerned, all over the planet where they're sprayed, and now the sunscreens are being added to it. But remember, too, one study that was done years ago that I pulled up was talking about multiple sclerosis, and it says it's a demyelination of the nerves and that was primarily caused from a lack of vitamin D when you were a child because the myelin around the nerves, the, the, the fat around the nerves was made secure and solid with enough D3 in your diet or from the sunshine and that you'd have an increased risks of multiple sclerosis if you did not get sufficient amounts of sunshine as a child when you were an adult. So it's really important. I mean, with Lana, for instance, she was taking 10,000 IUs of the vitamin D3 when she was pregnant. They were testing her blood every month, and yet she was still low, still low with her D3. She was staying around 20 to 30. Then she ended up increasing it to 20,000 IUs a day and was you know, working with her doctor, the, the prenatal doctor, and was able to get her blood you know, D3 levels up to around 50, which is ideal. So when a baby's being developed inside of a mother, there's a huge nutrient 
disparity taking place. In other words, it's very difficult for that mother to get enough nutrients in her body without taking high-quality supplements through diet alone. That's why it's so important that you take prenatal vitamins before you get pregnant and during the pregnancy, because if you don't, the baby cannot be formed properly. The baby can have a massive deficiency of vitamin D, massive deficiency of other nutrients. Remember, a lot of children, Doug and Joe, are actually being born with cancer, being born with cancer, because the prenatal nutrition was so bad that the mother couldn't form that child properly, and that child comes out basically dying. Remember, the leading cause of death in children age 14 and under, other than accidents, is cancer, primarily leukemia. And it's so important that we make sure our kids get enough nutrients in their food every single day to make sure that they don't, you know, have a problem with their health later on in life. What do you guys think about that? Well, you know, Ted, that reminds me of a story that I did on, John did with me on The Daily Show, talking about the what, what happens with Christians in North Korea, how they are forced to work underground in mines, coal mines and salt mines and whatnot, and basically live there and they ended up they end up dying from the vitamin D deficiencies and he explained how it's a very you know a slow and painful death is that the same as would that be the same as rickets is what you were just describing uh, it wouldn't be rickets because it wouldn't be rickets more like a childhood disease but you start having bone abnormalities if you didn't have the vitamin D if the bones were formed properly when you were younger I don't think it would be called rickets but the vitamin D does a lot more a vitamin D is an essential nutrient I mean it's, if you don't have enough vitamin D you get depressed if you don't have a vitamin D, your immune system shuts down. Because remember, we talked about years ago on that one show that they didn't want us to do. We were talking about all these doctors that were dying, and they were using that GCMAF compound, and they were finding out that the macrophages or the activated macrophages, they couldn't activate because the sugar was cut off the bottom of the molecule where D3 couldn't attach to the white blood cell, so it wouldn't work. So if you don't have sufficient quantities of vitamin D, your white blood cells don't work, and you get sicker and sicker and sicker over a period of time. Plus, you get you get suicidally depressed if your D goes low enough. And that's one of the things for a seasonal effective disorder. It, they say that one of the best ways to stop that depression from a lack of sunshine is to take vitamin D3 every single day. I take it every day. I take well. I take I take it every other day. I take ten thousand IU's every other day. If I don't feel a hundred percent right, I'll take you know it every single day. But our product is so high at ten thousand IU's. Usually two or three of those a week is enough, and you don't have to take them every single day. But I always recommend everybody when you're doing a vitamin D three supplement like we have, or any vitamin D three, get your blood chemistry checked every six months. Talk to your doctor and say, look, I'm taking vitamin D. I want to make sure I keep it at a good level. Uh, what can I do? How often should I have it checked? And get it checked. And you may find out you need more, like Lana found out when she was pregnant. She needed more than she thought she was going to need during the pregnancy. And this is an interesting article here, too. I, I found this interesting. Can sparkling water make you fat? Now, I'm not talking about sparkling water that has sugar. We already know that'll do that. But choosing, like, you know, like a, a water from a soda fountain that doesn't have any sugar or any other additives in it. And it was interesting because this article actually found that it makes you hungrier in just a few minutes after you drink it. And it ends up making you gain more weight, and it's telling you the best type of water to drink is just flat water, you know, basically like distilled water, but they couldn't decide on why in the world it did this to people and made them more hungry. Now, what was interesting about this is 
when you're drinking sparkling water, it increases CO2 levels in your blood. And when that happens, you decrease oxygen levels in your blood. And I personally believe that's one of the reasons it's doing it, because the oxygen and sugar levels are directly linked together, and it's probably making you want to eat more food and eat more sweets or eat more carbohydrates, trying to compensate for the extra CO2 in your system. So I'm not sure that's my speculation on that, but I thought it was fascinating. They were saying that sparkling water can actually make you gain weight and make you get fat. So I thought that was that was that was interesting. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> Never heard nothing like that, Ted. But that's me neither. Me, me neither. I, I heard about what it does as far as energy levels. I already know about that, but I didn't know what made you want to eat more calories. And here's another article: The Ultimate Guide to Self Control. Behavior experts are now explaining how to make your resolutions last past February the first. I want to cover this. Because this is important. You know, so many of you now are doing New Year's resolutions, and this is the perfect time to do that. This is the perfect time to decide taking a high-quality multiple vitamin. If you don't like swallowing pills, uh, Health Masters has the powdered multiple vitamin. I think I sent some of those to you, Doug. I hope I did. Yes, Most we did the ultimate multiple. The powder, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You mix it in a glass of water, and, guys, it tastes amazing. I mean, a lot of people just don't like swallowing pills, and I'm one of them. I swallow a bunch of them every day because, you know, I'm in the supplement business, which is kind of ironic, but because I, I know how important they are. But this is something that you can take, especially for people who can't swallow pills. Some people can't swallow pills at all. They, just, they gag on them. This is one of those products that actually tastes great. You mix it in a little glass of water, put about two to four scoops in it a day, and just drink it. You know, with your breakfast. And I tell you what, you'll feel different on this within just a couple of weeks. I have a friend of mine who's, who bless his heart, you know, he kind of is really negative. And, uh, you know, and so he basically wasn't taking any vitamins. I gave him a can of these. I said, please try these four scoops a day. And he started doing it. And about a week later, he comes to me and goes, what's in that stuff you gave me? I said, it's a really high end multiple. And he goes, I can't tell you how good I feel. He goes, my energy's like through the roof. And my attitude is like really good, and I feel great. Can I get some more of that stuff from you? I said, sure. And see, what's interesting about this is now he's been on it for like a month. He says, I cannot feel, believe, tell you how good I feel. And his negativity has gone way, way down. Because, you know, guys, when you don't feel good, it's kind of hard to be positive. Oh, oh by the way, when you go to the healthmasters.com website tonight, I forgot to tell you the first part of the hour, the Doug 5 coupon is active. So it's 5% off everything but kits on the website, 5% off everything but kits on the website. And for every $200 order, we will, but you have to put this in the notes at the bottom. You'll have, because there's no coupon for it. For every $200 order, we're going to send you a copy of Sharon's new cookbook, Eat Clean and Be Healthy at no extra cost, which is like a $30 value plus the shipping on that's going to be free too with your order. So you'll really enjoy that cookbook and it's a good way to make good New Year's resolutions. So let's go ahead and cover some of these things they're saying in this article as far as helping you to stay in more self-control. What they're saying is that you know, you've got to be in a situation where you realize what the goals are that you want to set up. Because if you know the goals and you set up the goals and you write down the goals, it makes it a lot easier to stay on the goals. Remember, slow and steady is best. If you want to lose one or two pounds a week, that's great. Don't try to lose five or ten pounds in a week. It's not, it's not, it's not something you're going to be able to do for a long-term basis because what's going to happen is you're going to really deplete your nutrient density. You start by walking around the block. You know, you don't have to run five miles. Uh, you can just achieve enough to get motivated. You know, lose a pound a week, lose two pounds a week. That's it. Don't try to go more than that. Remember the small acts of self-control build over time 
instead of drastically cutting out all carbs or sugar, consider giving up certain things like a piece of bread or a soda or whatever every single day and start eating an apple instead and start making healthier choices. And also realize that these little acts of self-control in one area will improve your self-control in other areas and it'll get you traction on a healthier diet. And see, that's why I love Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn had an article, a CD series. You can get, you can listen to his stuff online. He's gone now. May he rest in peace. He was a fine Christian man. And he said, you know, if you want to get healthy, eat an apple a day. And I always laugh when I talk to him because he's a friend of mine. He goes, I said, Jim, I said, why in the world are you going to get healthy eating an apple a day? It's better than eating, you know, junk food, but it's not going to get you healthy, especially if you're nutrient deprived. He goes, Ted, he goes, what an apple a day does, if you eat an organic apple, it gets you used to eating healthy food. Because once you start eating healthy food, they start tasting good to you, and you start to want to eat more healthy food. And over a period of time, you gradually start getting better and feeling better. And he said that, you know, they've said for years and years and years, he used to joke and say, if eating an apple a day will keep the doctor away, he goes, what if they're right? <laughs> what if they're right and it keeps the doctor away? He goes, you might as well try it. It's just an apple. See, and this is the thing I'm encouraging everybody to do right now. You know, eat an apple a day. You know, get a bottle of our multiple vitamins. You know, get the stuff you can just mix in a glass of water if you want. Get the chewable vitamins if you want. They're all multiples. They're, we have great products. And just try it for 30 days. See how you feel. And if you get good results, keep doing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. You know, in our Eat, Drink, and Be Healthy program, which is we no longer have in stock, it's a great program. It was a six-week process on how to lower blood pressure, cholesterol, triglycerides, and blood sugar levels. And what we did with that program, we, little by little, every single week would change something. Like first week would cut out the sodas. Second week, we'd cut out, you know, the sugar. The third week, would they have you drink more water. And little by little over a six-week process, people start having these tremendous results, Doug and Joe, because they learn that these successes that you have build on the other success, and it makes having additional successes easier and easier. And so that's what these incremental goals are all about. If you have a goal, if you need to lose 100 pounds, write on a sheet of paper, I'm going to lose 4 pounds or 8 pounds this month. My goal is to lose eight pounds this month. Don't put that you're going to lose 100 pounds. Just say, my goal for the month of January is to lose eight pounds. And then you'll lose your eight pounds. But when you put that huge 100-pound weight loss goal on that goal on the refrigerator, what's going to happen is you're going to see that every day. You go, I can't lose 100 pounds. That's too much. But I can lose eight pounds. I can lose two pounds a day. And when you gradually do it that way, it makes it easy to drop that 100 pounds. So it, 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 it should take you about a year to drop 100 pounds. Don't try to drop 100 pounds in four or five weeks. It's nonsense. You can't do that. But you can sure drop two pounds a week for 50 weeks. That makes it a lot easier to do that. What do you guys think? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a, mentally it, it, you can you can handle that mentally a lot better. I agree. Well, and, and and they taught us in college. They said set incremental goals. You know, you don't yeah. say I'm going to get a PhD in astrophysics when you start college when you're you know 18 years old. You say I'm going to get a degree in physics, and my first goal is to finish these classes this semester and become very goal-oriented. And, and that's the biggest problem that we have with people is that they don't put their goals on a sheet of paper. I, I can't tell you guys how important this is. Is that You have to write your goals down. Every single year, you've got to write down what you want to achieve this, goal, this year, You know what you expect, what you want to do, and then you've got to pray like it's all up to God, and you've got to work like it's all up to you, and you've got to continue, continually monitor yourself so you know that you're in the acquisition of those goals. Because, guys... You know, you could say anything you want to say, but if you don't, if you're not moving towards those goals, it makes it very difficult. Zig Ziglar told me one time, I, I remember this, he's, a, he's another good friend of mine, but he rests in peace. His stuff's also available online. He said to me, he says, Ted, I can take anybody in an audience of 10,000 people, 
I can take anybody in there, and I can have them within one hour shooting the bow and arrow better than the Olympic archery champion in the last Olympics. And I said to him, I said, Zig, what are you talking about? It's impossible. He says, well, no, there are a couple things I have to do first. First I have to do is I have to take the gold medal winner, and I've got to blindfold him, then I've got to spin him around like in every direction so he doesn't know which way he's shooting, and then I have to have him shoot at a target he can't see. And I said, well, Zig, that's being silly. I said, how can a man hit a target he does not see? And he looked at me kind of funny. He says, Ted, how can a man hit a goal he does not have? See, well, that's that what we've got yeah. to doesn't, doesn't it make sense? Because yeah. you, you, you have to understand that if you don't have a goal, if you have a goal to lose the weight or a goal to get off your blood pressure medicine with your doctor or a goal to get off your diabetes medication with your doctor or a goal to have a better lifestyle, if you have all these different goals, but if you never take that first step, if you don't see that target, it doesn't make any difference. That's why, you know, when I uh, used to teach college, I'd tell the kids, set up a goals board and put it on your refrigerator or put it in your bedroom, or put it on your doggone dresser, put it on your in your on your on your your mirror where you see it every single morning. And I said, and it's not necessary to put those goals where people or other people are going to see them. You say, well, why is that? Well, here's why. You know, a lot of people don't want you to achieve your goals. A lot of people who are overweight don't want you to get on a get you so you're you're thin. They don't want you to do it because they don't want to have the conviction that you have, or they don't want to do what you're doing to get it done. So what ends up happening is they kind of discourage you, or they'll sabotage you, or they'll take you out to have pizza, okay, <laughs> or something like that. And you're like, gosh, I don't want to eat this, but I'm with you guys, so I'm going to go and eat the pizza, guys. It's so important that you don't necessarily have to tell all the people that you know what your goals are because not everybody wants you to accomplish those goals. I mean, I've seen it over. The- and we're we're up against the break. <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. You're listening to this Friday edition of Dr. Ted Brewer on this edition of the Hagman Report as he comes on every other Friday. we got a lot more news to cover with Ted, and then we're going to be joined by Austin, then Sharon Brewer, and that will wrap up this week on Hagman Report. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Hagman Report. A lot of news, a lot of things going on in the world today. Just keep your eyes open. As a matter of fact, um, I do believe that I will be doing um, a special report, uh, the Doug Hagman Radio Show Report this weekend. Not sure which day. Also watch HagmanReport.com for breaking news. Of course, five hours of broadcasting per day. Hagman Report uh, uh, via the Hagman Report, of course, our flagship show, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, as well as the Doug Hagman Radio Show, 9 to 10 p.m. East or 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time on BTR and Global Star, as well as the uh, Hagman Daily Show. That's from 2 to 3 on Global Star and BTR as well. Our guest is Dr. Ted Brower, healthmasters.com. That's healthmasters.com. Doug 5 coupon code 5% off. Talking about a lot of issues that affect you. And you know, we talk about the news. We talk about things happening. And everyone that is out there saying, yeah, well, you know, things are going to happen. Well, I'll tell you something. You better be not only just, uh, uh, mentally pre- prepared and spiritually prepared, but physically prepared. And Ted is here to talk to us about doing just that. Dr. Ted Brower, take it away. 
Thanks, Doug. By the way, our show today, we covered a lot of the topics that we're not covering tonight. And our show, our show is on Global Star Satellite every single night after the Hagman Show. So at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. California Time, the Ted and Austin Brower Show is on this very same signal that you're getting with the Global Star Network. Uh, you know, Doug, years ago, I was in a church in Auburndale. And it was a, it was a, it was a full faith church. And there was a little baby behind me. And the mom and dad were young. They were in their 20s. And they were giving a baby a bottle. And I looked at the bottle, and it wasn't milk. And I asked them, what are you giving this child? And they told me they were giving the child uh, soda, Coca-Cola. Now, remember, this is like a two-, three-month-old infant drinking Coke. And I looked at them, and I said, do you realize how incredibly bad that is for that child? And they said, uh, no, we don't know that. You know, our doctor didn't tell us we couldn't give the baby Coke. And I'm like, did you ask your doctor that question? Because I'm sure he'll tell you not to if you ask him. And they got all piffed at me because they thought, what in the world is this guy doing telling us what we should should not feed our baby? Now, I'm saying all that to say this. The absolute best nutrition a child's ever going to get is breast milk. And a lot of parents have a tendency to give their kids formula. And if the child is given soy formula can actually change brain chemistry because of the phytoestrogens in the soy and it's important that you don't do that if at all possible in fact I would never do that I would use the raw certified goat's milk instead now if you do use a goat's milk every once in a while the child may get constipated from it but you can always dilute that goat's milk a little bit with water and it'll usually end up ending up stopping that constipation but one of the, but this article here now is saying that if you give a child too much water to drink not breast milk, but water, or you dilute your formula with too much water, you can cause problems with the child, including a nutrient deficiency. And it also said when babies drink too much water, it knocks their sodium to fluid ratio out of balance, and they can die of water intoxication. This happened to a guy out in Pasadena several years ago from a radio talk show. They tried to get a guy to drink an entire gallon of water, and the guy died right there in the studio. Uh, their bodies will try to overcompensate by having the cells take on more water, which will result in swelling all over the body, including in the brain, which can cause seizures, coma, or even brain death. So be very, very careful when you have newborn infants. Uh, you know, work with your medical doctor, work with your midwife. Make sure you realize that it's important that you breastfeed that baby if at all possible. And I would really discuss this with your husband or with your boyfriend before you even get married or decide to ever have children and see what you're going to be able to do. Because I realize that a lot of mothers can't do that because they're working. But, guys, it's one of those things. You're only getting a one-time chance to develop that baby properly through prenatal nutrition and only a one-time chance to have that baby on breast milk till about the first year. I know Hunter was on breast milk off his first son for about a year. We kept our children on breast milk as long as we could, and then we would supplement it with the uh, with the goat's milk, and we have a formula in the Train Up Your Children on the Way They Should Eat formula, a book that Sharon wrote on how to basically make a really good goat's milk formula for your children because goat's milk is known as the orphan milk, and pretty much any mammal can use goat's milk and actually thrive. So it's really important that we understand that children's nutrition, even after they're born, is critical, and if all possible, continue taking your prenatal vitamins, continue taking your oils, your cod liver oil, your omega-3 fats while you're nursing, and it will really help to increase the richness of the milk and the nutrient density of the milk. Oh, by the way, throwing yourself into a New Year fitness regime after a prolonged break, <laughs> this article says, could wreck your knees for life. It says damage is typically done to knee tendons, ligaments, and cartilage. There is as great as for middle-aged people as the tissue becomes stiffer and less elastic. 
And Doug, I have seen this over and over and over and over again. People will join one of those super hard fitness places. I forgot what they're called, but they go in and they start having you pick up tires and, and pick up weights and doing clean and jerks and military presses. I'm talking with guys in their 40s and 50s and 60s, and every single guy that I know over the age of 40 that has done that program consistently with the wet weights and the reps they've told you to do, they've all either had knee surgery, knee, knee problems, back problems, or shoulder problems. You have to look at it this way. You know, when you look at my, look at me for example, and just use me for an example. When I was young, I used to train really, really hard with weights. I mean, hard. I mean, we, we just were insane how hard we lifted weights when we were teenagers and into my early 20s. After I got out of my early 20s, my human growth hormones started settling out and all the other things. I began to realize that I couldn't recover as quickly as I did when I was younger. Your peak time to work out, if you're a guy, if you want to lock in a bunch of good muscle weight, is between the ages of 14 and about 21. After that, the human growth hormone will start to plateau and start going downhill after about the age of 29. Now, what's interesting about that is there are things you can do to bring it back up, some like our HGH stimulate which acts also like a natural Viagra and also a nitric oxide stimulant release. And it's amazing what it does as far as keeping testosterone and human growth hormone levels up. It's amazing what it does. But naturally, if you don't do something like that, you have a decline of your human growth hormone. Now, what ends up happening, you start losing elasticity in the tendons and in the, in the ligaments. And when you go in there and you start really starting to lift heavy weights when you're older, like I'm 62 right now, I don't do military pressures anymore because it, it aggravates my shoulders. Now, my shoulders feel pretty good most of the time unless I do something to them. But other than that, you know, I just don't push them that hard anymore because there are certain joints that just don't do real well under real hard athletic stress as you get past the age of 40, including running. I know a lot of orthopedic surgeons will tell you that if you start running a lot when you get older, you'll start having back issues because of what it does to your discs and your spine. And, guys, it's so true. Uh, when I was at Florida State University and I was getting my minor up there in exercise physiology, one of the things I learned was from a cardiovascular standpoint, you only have to about have to have about seven minutes, three times a week of cardiovascular exercise to what they call obtain a cardiovascular training effect. In other words, if you want to keep your heart strong, it doesn't need more than like seven minutes a week, times three, so 21 minutes a week to be incredibly strong, you know, using a cardiovascular routine. Now, what I do is I don't do cardio because I, I sometimes I'll do a precor elliptical runner, uh, you know, or one of those something like that. But what I also realized, or Cybex, Cybex is a little bit better. What I also realized is if I, if I put myself on a circuit training program, again, this is for the new year that I'm telling you guys all of this stuff, and I have like four exercises in a row with four separate machines, I set them up in a row, and I'll do one to the next, the next, the next, and then I'll go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and I don't stop. And I do that for like 15 or 20 minutes, and what that does, it gets my heart rate up, it gives me a cardiovascular training effect, which helps to burn body fat and keeps my heart in good shape, but it doesn't make me go out and pound the pavement as far as running. I have never been a runner. I've never enjoyed running. And every time I do run it, it gives me shin splints. It gives me ankle problems. It gives me knee problems. It gives me hip problems. I can't imagine if I was trying to stay in shape by running what a disaster my whole body would turn into. Now, I also know this. We've got a really good joint protocol that works amazing, uh, Dave Hodges' joint protocol that we have on the website. And what it does, it actually helps the body's joints to feel better and to get better. That's how we've seen it. I mean, we've seen tremendous results with people that have shoulder problems, knee problems. They start taking that product, and their body corrects it, the condition because we're giving the body the nutrients it needs to correct the condition. So, guys, always remember, before you go under the knife for shoulder surgery or anything, always try natural protocols first because, quite frankly, you might be able to get the natural protocol to do something. It may work. 
whereas if you have the surgery, it may make items worse. I mean, a few years ago, about 10 years ago, Doug, I tore my left shoulder. I ended up tearing up a, I tore a rotator cuff on it. And I, it was crazy. I was, I had some friends, they invited us to the beach. And we went to the beach and we, and I did like, this is this longer than 10 years ago. Gosh, it's 20 years ago now. And I remember I was in my 40s and I got on a bicycle and I was in great shape cardiovascular wise. And I rode this bicycle like 20, 25 miles, 12 miles down on the beach on the sand. Then I came back like 12 miles on the, uh, on the, uh, on the, on the, on the street, rode like 25 miles, had a great workout. Oh man, I felt great. But I tore my rotator cuff on my left arm. I found that the next day I couldn't even put my arm behind my back. But rather than going through surgery, I had what's called prolotherapy, in which they put a needle into that rotator cuff. It's very painful, by the way. I'm not going to tell you that it's not. And they inject a special solution, which helps that stuff to grow back and repair itself. And I was able to avoid the surgery. Several years later, I was having issues with that shoulder again. I had an MRI, and I went to the, uh, the Tampa Orthopedic Center in Tampa, Florida. I spoke to Dr. Gasser, and I'll never forget what he told me. He says, Ted, he goes, the shoulder still gives you, you know, 70, 80% of range of motion, and it's doing pretty good. He goes, I could go in and I could do surgery on it, but it may be worse when I get done doing surgery on it than it is right now. He says, I suggest that unless you absolutely have to have surgery, that you just let it just try to heal on its own. And sure enough, after about another six or eight months, it got better. It's completely healed on its own now. Of course, at that point in time, we hadn't, we didn't have the, uh, the joint rebuilding formula. I wish I'd have had it back then. But the reality is, Doug and Joe, always do the medical intervention and surgical intervention as the last result because there's all kinds of things you can do first in almost every type of condition that you could possibly imagine without the use of drugs, number one, or without the use of going in under the scalpel because, guys, never forget, a certain percentage of people actually die in surgery from the anesthesia alone. Always remember that it's so important that you understand that you don't want to have surgery unless it's absolutely necessary. What do you guys think? Well, absolutely, and we see a, a huge increase in the trend of elective surgeries uh, for cosmetic and other reasons, and, and it is so dangerous to uh, subject yourself to that because you never know if you, when you go under if you will come back from that, yet people choose to do this. And we've seen, I, I guess we know of these cases of deaths more from cosmetic surgeries with celebrities and celebrity families because they obviously seem to be more prone being that they have all the money and they're the ones that do it probably the most. But we've seen countless, uh, I, I know celebrities and celebrity mothers, the stories that comes out from, you know, a botched neck lift ends in death, uh, you know, for a 40-something-year-old healthy person. So, obviously, uh, yeah, don't get the surgeries the unless you need Let me give you some advice real quick. If you're going to do a cosmetic procedure, because no matter what we say, some people are going to do that, try to get it done with a local. Try not to have to go under general anesthesia. That's number one. Uh, if you go to a person who's been trained on a weekend training class and if they're a medical doctor or a dentist that's going to do this for you, uh, don't do that. Just go to a board-certified cosmetic surgeon to get something done rather than going in and having some yahoo that got trained in a three-hour seminar who has a medical license and is capable of doing this but hasn't had proper training. You know, some of these board-certified plastic surgeons, Doug and Joe, uh, they end up having to be in school for six or eight years after their medical school. Uh, I remember years ago, my daughter Alexis, a great child, she's 16, 17 years old now, she was born, and one of the things that came from my mom's side of the family is her ears, like, stuck straight out. I mean, they, you know, they're like, you know, just they stuck straight out. And uh, she was getting picked on in school and laughed at and all that. She goes about she's about 11 years old, 12 years old, and she goes, Dad, can I get my ears fixed? And I said, Man, I don't know, Alexis, that's pretty rough. So we went to a board-certified cosmetic surgeon, and I told him, I said, uh, 
Doc, I said, here's the thing. I don't want her under anesthesia. Can you do this locally? He goes, yeah, that's an easy surgery to do locally. We'll just anesthetize behind the ears. Surgery will take about an hour and a half, uh, and we'll be done. And she'll never have that problem again for the rest of her life. And I said, okay, do it. And so we got them fixed. And she has been so happy and so excited ever since she had that surgery because the kids were just just picking on her. I mean, her ears were bad. And she couldn't she couldn't get a picture. She couldn't get it. Just, it was a mess. So if something's really affecting a person's self-esteem like that and they want to get it fixed, okay, I got it. But always try to do it with a local rather than doing anesthesia. And also remember this with liposuction. I've had friends who've had that done. If you don't maintain a healthy diet, let's say you have five pounds of fat taken off, spot reduction with liposuction. A lot of times you can do that under a general anesthesia using lidocaine, and you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. I'm sorry, you don't use a general anesthesia. You do a local anesthesia using lidocaine. If you do all of that, you know, and you don't maintain the weight you are or you gain weight back, that those fat cells will come back. Maybe not to the severity that they did to start with, but what will happen is the other fat cells in the body will compensate. In other words, if you're at 12 or let's, let's, let's say you're at 30% body fat and you have a certain amount of fat pulled off your body, if you don't change your diet and your lifestyle, you'll still be at 30% because your body will compensate the fat somewhere else. So you're going to find yourself chasing your body fat around. I mean, you're going to have it on the back of the arms or the back of the legs or on the inner thighs, but you may not have it on your waist as much anymore. So you've got to really watch that. So if you're going to make that as one of your New Year's resolutions, why don't you try diet and exercise first and try to lose some of that weight first? You may not need to have any of that liposuction done. It'd be a lot healthier for you, too. Now, here's another article, and it says how to make every meal healthy. Now, this is a nutritionist who basically says that, you know, the, you know, that, that meals are made up with four different types of, uh, of, 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 of things, protein and, and lead vegetables, et cetera, carb, and complex carbohydrates. And this is very much like the zone diet that was written, I believe, by Barry Sears back in the 90s. And it's very easy. It is, it's a very good diet. You have like one portion of complex carbohydrates in a meal, one portion of protein, one large portion of non-starchy vegetables, and one portion of like healthy fats, like avocado. And when you do it like that, and you put it on a small plate, and that's, that's another thing I want to share with you guys. Use small plates. Don't use some 12-inch dinner plate that looks like you have nothing on it when you do this. Take a small, like a saucer, and load it up with food. It looks like you're eating a whole big plate full of food. It's a good trick to do, and it really makes you eat a lot less food. And chew your food slowly when you eat, and make sure you allow your body to regulate its own hunger pangs by having enough food in its system that you're not going to constantly be craving more. What you don't want to do is go wolf down 1,500 calories in five minutes and then wonder why you know, you're know you bloated 25 minutes later and wonder why you can't lose any weight. And always make sure you eat six small meals a day if you're trying to drop weight. And if you want a caloric intake, and I've mentioned this on the show before, take your ideal weight and multiply it by 10. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you want to weigh 180 pounds, multiply that by 10. That'd be 1,800 calories a day. Divide that by six. So you eat six 300-calorie meals. And then if you do that, like every two or three hours, what ends up happening is you gradually find that you don't have to eat all of the time because you stay full all of the time, and you can actually increase the amount of calories that you're eating. It's so important to stay away from things like macaroni and cheese, stay away from things like mashed potatoes loaded up with butter, stay away from things like pizza, and cheese and dairy products, and here's why. It doesn't take very many dairy products. A small cube, like a one-inch cube of cheese, is like 100 calories. Well, if you eat three cubes of cheese, you're going to still be hungry, but that's your entire meal. But you could eat like a huge cup of rice, a bunch of vegetables, you know, you know, you can have some fish or some salmon, 
and you fill yourself up and learn that you don't want to diet, learn that you just want to eat healthy. That's why the name of the book is Eat Clean and Be Healthy. And again, when you order $200 worth of stuff from Health Masters, I'm going to send you the book for free anyhow uh, for the next week. So just make sure you put that on your order so we know that you, that you wanted one. You may already have one. And so it's so important, guys, that we all realize that what we eat and what we put into our bodies is going to determine our health. And if you don't do it like that, what ends up happening is uh, you end up getting very, very, very sick. Now, let's talk about sleeping. A lot of people don't realize how addictive sleeping pills are. I did a show on this several years back with you guys. I want to kind of mention it again. There's some things that you can do to make sure that when you go to sleep, you actually sleep well. Now, what you have to understand is that when you get past the age of 40, you end up in a situation where your melatonin levels are greatly reduced. And when you have a lot of fluoride in your diet, it calcifies the pineal gland, I know some people told me that I should never have used the term pineal gland on the show, Doug and Joe, but we're not going to mention that tonight. The pineal gland is an eye. It's about the size of a pea behind your eyes, and it secretes melatonin, and that melatonin allows you to sleep extremely well. <clears throat> Past the age of 40, we start losing melatonin. So what I do every single night, in fact, I've got a bottle that's sitting right here. here I'm rattling it. It's, it's a three-milligram dosing of melatonin, and I let that dissolve under my tongue, about an hour before I want to go to sleep. And what it does, it lets me sleep through the entire night like the baby. Plus, it gives you much better restful sleep. And also, you have to understand things like coffee. If I drink coffee, it doesn't make any difference if I take melatonin. If I drink a cup of coffee at 1 o'clock this afternoon or, one, or 10 o'clock this morning or 8 o'clock this morning, it will elevate my cortisol so much, Doug and Joe, that by it takes like 36 hours for my cortisol, which is a stress hormone, to come back down. If I drink a cup of coffee at 7 o'clock in the morning to this morning, Friday morning, and I decide to go take melatonin at 10 o'clock when I finish the show tonight with you guys, by 11 o'clock, I'm still wide awake. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just completely and totally wired because of the cortisol. So make sure you don't get excessive amounts of caffeine. What I do is I use the purple sticks, which give me green tea caffeine, which is actually healthy for you because they have a lot of the compounds and they're so healthy for you. I do that in the morning when I get out of bed. Now, also remember to go to bed at the same time. Now, a lot of people may be going to bed too early and you're waking up in the middle of the night. I have to go to bed between 10 and 11 o'clock at night or I wake up too early. Again, limit caffeine, nicotine, alcohol, and food before you go to bed. And you need to switch off all of your screens. You need to turn off all of your Wi-Fi. And here's why. And make sure you turn the Wi-Fi router off in the house. The pineal gland is what secretes the melatonin. The pineal gland sees Wi-Fi energy and radiation the same as it sees sunlight. And so when you are sitting there with your screen turned on beside your bed or your phone turned on beside your bed or your phone under your pillow, it's radiating your brain all night with this electrical energy, this Wi-Fi radiation, and it, your brain thinks you're laying out on the beach at 12 o'clock in the afternoon with bright sun. And so it doesn't want you to go to sleep. Always turn off your Wi-Fi router before you go to bed. That's absolutely critical on all screens. Plus, you need to wind down. You can read a little bit. Watch a little bit of the mainstream TV or whatever you want to do. I usually watch the History Channel. And stop watching the clock when you're laying in bed. You know, And you can also remember to relax all of your body parts. I do that sometimes, too. To relax my toes, relax my feet, relax everything. And what it allows me to do, it allows me basically at that point just to, not, to get the tension off my joints and off my body. And in many cases, that helps me to go to sleep very, very, very quickly along with the melatonin. In fact, I'll tell Sharon sometimes, Doug and Joe, it's funny. It'd be like 11 o'clock, and I could feel the melatonin hit me. 
and I'll, she'd be in there, you know, whatever, brushing her teeth, and I'll say, Sharon, I'm going to be asleep in like 60 seconds. And she goes, oh, please don't do that. You may start snoring. And I'm like, well, I'm about to go to sleep in about 45 seconds now. It's so funny, Doug and Joe. Invariably, I'll say that, and within a minute, I'll be sleeping. And because that's how good our melatonin products are. And I can tell you what, if you want a good night's sleep, that's the way to do it. What do you guys think? Absolutely, Ted. I, you know, I don't take melatonin too often, but um, it has worked for me in, in the past. And I know that uh, here in the studio, everybody swears by it. John takes it. I know Renee takes it when she can't sleep. And it's, uh, you know, a definitely much better alternative <clears throat> than taking pharmaceutical sleeping pills, which have all kinds of side effects and, and craziness attached to them. So, absolutely. That's ab- absolutely. Oh, by the way, I mentioned this last month with you guys, and I want to mention it again because this is so important. More and more people are coming down with senile dementia and early onset Alzheimer's. We're seeing it all over the world. A lot of this is because the aluminum from the chemtrails can be absorbed directly through the olfaction center, according to Dr. Russell Blaylock, who's a neurosurgeon, into the brain. And it's so important that we eliminate all of our aluminum exposure because it's been directly linked now with Alzheimer's disease, along with all of our mercury exposure, like in the flu shots. And I know I've beaten this drum before. I'm going to beat it again one more time because now there's a woman over in England who is 37 years old and she's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. 37 years old, mother of two. And it's sad to me when this happens. I, the youngest I'd seen before this was like about 47. And that was a friend of mine's wife. And it's so critically important for everybody to understand that you've got to do what you can to get the aluminum back out of your system because of the spraying of the chemtrails. Uh, that's why we put together the magnesium brain food because it's been shown clinically to actually pull aluminum back out of the brain. And I take that product, I take four or five scoops of that product every single morning in my protein shake. And it also helps to prevent any additional calcium buildup in your system because magnesium and calcium are kind of antagonistic and it prevents the buildup of calcium inside of your arteries. And also the other thing too, always make sure when you take your D3, always make sure you take it with K2. Our D3, 10,000 and our K2, they're together in the same tablet because you don't want calcification of the arteries because you're getting too much vitamin D. So I'm going to, let me read you this article. Mother of two diagnosed with senile dementia at the age of 37. Wow, unbelievable. And she goes, she goes, early onset familiar Alzheimer's disease has claimed the lives of her mother, grandfather, and great-grandmother. She took her blood test and she carried this faulty gene. Of course, it was positive. And of course, they're blaming it all on the gene. It caused her speech, memory, and balance to deteriorate over the past decade. And so now she's 48 years old, and she's got basically senile dementia. And the sad part about all of this stuff is, guys, if we can reduce the risks of heavy metals and the 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 uh, the, the, uh, the the incident of our getting heavy metals in our diet, it'll really really reduce, in my opinion, our risks of coming down with senile dementia, guys. I can't. The same thing when you're taking all of these antacids. They all contain those aluminum salts, and you're pouring them directly into your gut. It's something you really, really, really need to avoid as much as possible. Uh, by the way, by the way, five reasons that why we why we overeat, binge eating, and how to stop gorging. This is from a behavioral psychologist. And also, I want to add something to that. There are all kinds of things associated with binge eating on blood sugar issues. A lot of people that have hypoglycemia. They have a tendency to binge eat. And so once you stabilize those blood sugars, and chromium is a good way to do that, it's in our insulin support product, it really ends up helping you to avoid the binge eating. So the best way to do it, along with the supplements, is number one, portion size. 
Number two, get variety of foods. Don't just eat the foods that you want to binge on all the time. If you've got a propensity to eat three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day when you sit down for lunch, chances are you probably need to stop eating those particular foods and eat something else. You need to avoid distractions. Uh, a lot of people like to do things while they're eating, such as watching TV or, or working or catching up on social media, but eating while distracted interferes with mechanisms that normally stop an eating session. In other words, you don't feel yourself getting full, so you have a tendency to eat too much food. Alcohol is number four. Alcohol increases the likelihood of overeating for several reasons, including reduced self-control and increased impulsivity. Also, alcohol has a lot of calories in it, guys, and it stops the production of an enzyme called lipase. Like drinking one ounce of alcohol, like having one beer, will completely pretty much stop the production of an enzyme called lipase. And when that happens, you no longer burn fat in your body. You start storing fat. Another thing you do, eating with others, and many cases when you're at a big meal, eating and eating and eating, have a multi-course meal, you're going to eat too many foods. So just remember, when you're eating out with other people, just because they order a blooming onion and a whole bunch of other stuff, you don't need to order that blooming onion. You don't have to order stuff that's going to be bad for you, that you know is bad for you. Order a chicken salad. You'll still have the fellowship of being with that person, but you won't be sitting there being tempted by stuff you know you shouldn't eat. What do you guys think? Oh, well, absolutely, Ted, and, and everybody should have the, the self-control. And, you know, when, when Sharon came on and you guys did the show, Tips to Stay Healthy Over the Holidays, it's a lot of the same common sense you guys talked about in, in there with the, you know, portion controls and, and pacing yourself and, uh, you know, listening to your body when you eat to make sure you're not just eating for the sake of, of eating out of social awkwardness or whatever else uh, might be the cause. Well, that's that's so true. And by the way, uh, this is another interesting article on, on women again. It says, one in four mothers-to-be have mental health issues before birth. I covered this earlier, but I want to mention it one more time. Warning problems are being missed because of the incorrect belief that pregnant women have a feel-good glow. And almost invariably, this is because of nutrient deficiencies in these women, particularly with B vitamins and omega-3 fats. I can't tell you how important it is. Again, if you're pregnant, that you make sure you get a high enough nutrient density in your diet to make sure that baby isn't going to be robbing you of your vitamins and minerals and calcium and everything else. It's so important, by the way. Another study, taking vitamins, if you're pregnant, before and during pregnancy, slashes the autism risk by 75%. A new study that shows taking folic acid or multivitamins before and during pregnancy cuts the risk of children developing autism by 73%. The uh, study was from Hoffa University in Israel examined 45,000 children whose mothers had or not been had not taken supplements during pregnancy, and mothers who took multivitamins up to two years before pregnancy also reduced the risk by 61%. The research stresses the importance of a healthy diet before pregnancy as many serious defects develop in the first three weeks of gestation. Now, that's the first three weeks that baby is developing from a cellular standpoint, and we talked about that earlier, how when you destroy those cells in the first three weeks, they don't develop after they've been destroyed, and you can have a massive amount of cells destroyed because you lose one or two in the first three weeks. And another article on babies here tonight, I guess what happened, Joe and Doug, is I'm about to have a great, oh, by the way, I just got a text from Austin. He's not going to be on at 9 o'clock. I'll be on with you guys until 9.30. Apparently, Atlanta is having contractions right now, and they may be leaving in just a few minutes to go to the midwife to have the baby. 
which is basically uh, probably going to be born tonight. So I want to let you guys know that also yeah. with us. Congratulations. Thanks, guys. I'm thinking to myself, I'm doing all these baby things right now. I'm thinking, why am I doing all these baby things? Because so they all met my – I saw them online. I started pulling these articles up. I thought, I like this article, this article. Now it's because I guess subliminally I was trying to think about Kindle, and she's on her way. And since Austin and Lana both have blonde hair and blue eyes, uh, the baby's going to have blonde hair and blue eyes. And what's interesting about this – is I'm sure a lot of the globalists are now saying that white people should no longer be allowed to have babies, and I'm sure they'll be really upset that another white woman has had another baby. It's sad to me, but we could do a whole show on that, and we cover that information is all out war on white people of my show. In fact, we'll talk about it at 10 o'clock on this very same network in a few minutes. Most parents feed their babies solid food before six months. However, this raises the risks of obesity and diabetes. A study conducted by the CDC shows that more than half the parents who introduce solid foods to their babies before the recommended six months have a much higher increase of diabetes and obesity. Only a third of the babies are introduced at the right time, and those who start eating solids too late are at greater risk for nutrient deficiencies. The study of nearly 1,500 babies across the U.S. is the first of its kind that emphasizes the importance of proper feeding habits in babies. Guys, it's so important that you give these children good, healthy food. Now, something we've done with Hunter that we didn't do with the other kids, you know, Austin's first baby, is we didn't really buy a lot of baby food for Hunter. Uh, we bought a lot of baby food for all these other kids. After about eight or nine months, you start giving them baby food. But it's best to give them the breast milk as long as you possibly can, up to a year, and then supplement with the baby food if they're not staying full. But also, we've been grinding our own organic food in a baby food grinder, guys, to make the healthy, organic baby food for Hunter, and he's actually doing absolutely wonderful and thriving. So it's it's really important that we take care of these kids. And by the way, here's something as far as alcohol again. Drinking actually causes cancer by permanently damaging genes and breaking up DNA. There's a new study that has found that alcohol is broken down to form a poisonous chemical, acetylaldehyde. Excessive amounts damage the master cells in the body, forming tumors. It also jumbles up strands of DNA, double helix, affecting the body's cells. The body produces enzymes to protect itself from the alcohol, but it only has its limits. And alcohol is linked to around 6% of all cancer deaths worldwide. Plus, with women, it's much worse to drink. It's much harder on women, on their livers, to drink. And you can cause all kinds of health problems if you're a woman and you're drinking. Plus, it massively increases the risks of pancreatic cancer, liver cancer, cirrhosis of the liver, alcoholism, osteoporosis, and breast cancer when you drink a lot of alcohol. So guys, if you're going to drink a beer every once in a while, I could absolutely care less. It's not a big deal, but you don't want to be drinking alcohol every single day. You don't want to be drinking wine every single day. In fact, I recommend you don't drink wine at all. You get resveratrol. We have resveratrol in capsule form, and you get a lot more resveratrol from a capsule than you will drink in a two-liter bottle of wine. It's ridiculous that people do that, thinking it's healthy because it's not. You know, the studies that were done on wine consumption about 20 years ago telling us that they were all healthy were done by the alcohol manufacturers, and even the studies themselves said that if you're going to drink alcohol to be healthy, don't start it because the side effects of the alcohol were too deleterious to your health to offset the increase of your health. In other words, just because you want to reduce your risk of heart disease, there's other things that you can do to drink alcohol that causes all types of other cancers and diseases. What do you guys think? Uh, the first thing that came to my mind, Ted, was I, I, I didn't realize I had wine in bottles. I always get mine in boxes. But uh, no, I, I, I joke. But yes, no, I think, no, it's yeah, 100% accurate. Yeah. 
Well, you, you know, Doug and Joe, you know, being raised in that bar when I was a kid, because, you know, my mom, my dad, parents got divorced, and my mom had a German beer tavern. And I saw a lot of stuff that probably young kids didn't need to see. And, you know, it was, it, 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 from, a, from a bar standpoint, it was pretty good. I mean, we, we had minimal amounts of shootings and, and stabbings. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not being facetious. We did have those things. But, you know, 99% of the time, probably 99.99% of the time, it wasn't a bad place to be. It was a very family-oriented place. But I saw so many people, Doug and Joe, from a very young age come down with heart disease, come down with diabetes, uh, come down with cancer, come down with senile dementia. I remember I had a really good friend of mine. I used to shoot pool with him all the time. His name was Vernon. And uh, he had his first stroke when he was like 45 years old. And he had cancer like at 46 years old. I mean, he died like at 50 years of age. And Vernon was an incredible person, incredible person. He was so nice. And then my buddy Howard, who was like my surrogate father when my parents got divorced, he died in his 60s from brain cancer and from lung cancer. I mean, so many of the people died in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s. I don't know if any of them made it past 70. I mean, it's just not something that's healthy to do on an ongoing basis. So if you're going to drink alcohol again, do it moderately. Plus, the problem with everybody that I know that drinks, my brother uh, my half-brother, Carl, from my mom's side of the family, not my father's son, he's an alcoholic. And he basically is just a, a disaster. I mean, he just doesn't take care of himself whatsoever. Uh, my sister, Phyllis, uh, she, by the way, she died this week. You know, my condolences to the family that's listening. She was my half-sister. I wasn't raised with her, so I didn't know her very well, but I knew her well enough to feel bad for the family and for her, for her daughter. But, you know, she tried to take care of herself, but she came down with Parkinson's disease about 10 years ago, and she's been suffering the debilitating effects of Parkinson's for 10 years and had to be in a nursing home the last three or four years and was completely and totally miserable being in that situation. Guys, it's just a lot easier to eat clean and be healthy all the days of your life and make sure you take your supplements every single day. I can't say to you guys that are listening tonight, if I can say anything to you, please just realize that your health is your most valuable asset and you've got to treat it that way and you've got to take care of yourself every day of the week, every hour of the day. I mean, when you get tired, if you can, take a nap. Don't take additional stimulants. I mean, if you, if you can't do it because you're at work, learn to stabilize your blood sugar. Don't get on that coffee roller coaster where you're taking coffee in the morning, coffee mid-morning, coffee at lunch, coffee in the afternoon, and you're keeping yourself going with caffeine. That's what I was doing, Doug and Joe. When I was 27 years old, I was drinking like 18 cups of coffee a day, and I, I ended up coming down with pericarditis. Same thing Austin had. And it's kind of funny from an epigenetic standpoint how that happened at the same age with him. So the crazy thing is this. I learned all this stuff the hard way, a lot of it, and I almost died. And, guys, I tell you what, if you ever have a close call with death, in most cases it changes you. It makes you more aware of your surroundings and more aware of what you're doing to yourself. But, guys, it's one of those things. Don't put yourself into a situation where you have a stroke or you have a heart attack or you have cancer or you come down with diabetes and you have all these diseases that have come upon you because you didn't want to make a healthy dietary change. And suddenly you're like, well, I've got, I know I've got to make changes now. I've got cancer. Or I know I've got to make changes now. I've got diabetes. Or I know I've got to make changes now because you know I've got senile dementia. I'm going to get off that aluminum. I mean, don't do that. Try to remember to do it beginning to start with to stay healthy all the days of your life. By the way, cancer death rates continue to fall in the United States as more Americans quit smoking, new report reveals. However, senile dementia rates are going through the roof. Cancer deaths fell by 1.7% between 2014 and 2015. That means that 2.4 million fewer people were killed in these same time period by cancer as far as primarily lung cancer. The death rates were driven by declines in smoking and in lung cancer. And racial 
gaps have begun to narrow, but young black Americans are still significantly more likely to die of cancer than young white Americans. So guys, if you are addicted to cigarette smoke, if you are addicted to different things you know you shouldn't be doing, realize it's not something that you have to be stuck with, and it's not something you have to do for the rest of your life. What do you guys think, Doug and Doug and Joe? No, absolutely. And, you know, I know part of what you're talking about tonight is breaking, you know, changing your behavior, controlling your behavior. And it, it's just like what you talked about, um, you know, with anything, trying to lose weight. Uh, if you don't want to do it all at once, you know, you, you uh, slowly wean yourself off. But always make the conscious effort to be healthier, whether it's in your food, your other intake, or your, your hobbies and activities. That's exactly right. In fact, I've got an article here on cataracts. I've got a friend of mine who tried a natural protocol to get rid of cataracts, and it seems to be working. It takes about 90 days, and if he does get good results, I'll tell you what he did, but I don't like talking about the eyes and cataracts like and not know for sure that we've had a person that has gone through a protocol, but I discovered a new protocol online for cataracts without getting rid of, to get rid of cataracts without surgery, and I'll, I'll keep you guys posted on how that's working for him. His name, is, his name is John. By the way, cataracts are defined as a clouding of the eyes lenses, and many times they're linked to steroid use. Asthma and hay fever sufferers are 50% more likely to develop cataracts, the study is finding. Uh, steroids are the first line of recommendation treatment for asthma and hay fever, which can also cause the cataracts. Eczema is not linked to cataracts despite being treated with steroids. A past study found no link between steroids and asthma was in children. However, asthma affects 5.4 million in the UK and much more in the United States, while one in four may have hay fever. So guys, now they're saying that cataracts can be caused from steroidal usage and cataracts can be caused from diet. We know that also. So it's really important that you take care of your eyes and you really important that you, uh, that you do everything you possibly can to eat the right kind of foods on an ongoing basis. By the way, Bill Gates, this is another interesting article. It says that it's the funding the global, Bill Gates' global funding vaccines miracle to mankind or is he actually pushing the big profits? for the pharmaceutical corporations. Uh, Bill Gates or vaccines a miracle or you know, over-disease over and a fantastic investment <laughs> or a disaster for child health that may break the bay. Bill Gates is fond of using his pulpit to talk about miracles and magic. Gates has featured one or both words in nearly all of his annual wrap-up letters for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, most often a reference to the Gates Foundation's outsized financial and ideological support for the global vaccine program. As Gates says, it is the same way that during my Microsoft career I talk about the magic of software. I now spend my time talking about the magic of vaccines. Remember, he's a globalist, and he is saying that we can achieve a 10% reduction of the population of the planet through vaccines. He said that on a TED's talk. He was very clear about it. He wasn't stuttering, and this is what he's trying to do. He's a globalist. He's also a eugenicist, and he wants to reduce the population of the planet, and he wants to do it any way he possibly can. What do you guys think? Well, we know Bill Gates and, you know, he, his religion of basically Satanism as he funds the eugenics and the abortions and, uh, and he might not be a Satanist per se, but we know what that ideology, who is behind that ideology. And, you know, he's like a, a Soros in a, in a way because he just throws his money into, uh, projects like we talked about, the depopulation, um, and all other areas harmful to people, but he'll, he'll, He'll dress it up as, you know, he's some kind of uh, great philanthropist. But in reality, you know, he's no better than the Rockefellers and, and the Rothschilds and these other globalists who want total population control. My opinion on all of that stuff with Microsoft, you know, 
I personally believe he was given the information to uh, one of our defense programs as far as how to develop that personal computer and the chips that he has. I can verify that probably by doing a bunch of more research with him, and that's my opinion. I'm going to leave it like that right now. And to me, for him to start this up as a startup in a garage and build it into a multi-trillion dollar corporation as far as the total gross sales over the past 30 years, I find very hard to believe. I personally believe that he's been funded by the globalists all along. By globalists, I mean the Rothschilds and the big investment bankers because there's no other way he would have done it. If you read the book, The Day After Roswell, by Colonel Corso, and he talks about the the uh, basically the UFO crashing in 1947 and the back engineering that they did. They said they would take the information from the from the spacecraft and they would back engineer them and then they would give it to private industry and help fund the private industry for going out and developing these types of products. In fact, he said that the circuit, the printed circuit chip, that you know night vision goggles and laser technology all came from the back engineering. I personally believe, again, this is my opinion, that Bill Gates was one of those people who received the information from some of these circuits and some of these things they were doing and was able to be funded through DARPA or through another agency in order to get this thing launched off the ground. I, I My own personal opinion is that Amazon is the same thing because, guys, when you get into that billionaire boys club and you're worth billions and billions and billions of dollars like some of these guys are, some of the richest men in the world, there's a reason. We now look, look back and we find out that the Rockefellers they were funded through the Rothschild organization. We find out Dale Carnegie was also. We also find out that J.P. Morgan, he was a Roth Rockefeller stooge, and he, though he was wealthy, the vast money that people thought he had was all Rothschild money. These guys picked certain types of people and certain types of projects to fund and to push globally. That's why they get this huge push, huge capital investments, and they don't ever seem to run out of money, and they don't ever seem to go out of business. They just get bigger and bigger and bigger. But that's my opinion. What do you guys think about that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, these um, globalists with with the uh, I mean, it's really when you talk about the money, Ted. They don't ever run out of money because they're in the control and behind the control of those who print it. And that's as right. long you know, it's just one hand washes the other, and that's the way that these people operate. And it's a it's Rick? like the mafia. Well, no, that's what it is. It's the money mafia. In fact, that, that book by Hellyride, who's a former defense prime minister of Canada, defense minister of Canada. He wrote a book called The Money Mafia, and what's interesting in that book, he talked about how the Rothschild banking cartel had basically taken over the planet through their Babylonian money magic. But then he goes into another chapter, and he starts talking about UFOs. This is the neatest book you've ever read, if you haven't read it. And he's the one who got me to read the book The Day After Roswell by Colonel Corso. And he spoke with his top defense people in Canada, and they told him, by talking to the generals in the United States, that every word in that book was true, and he says that in the book. And that got me to go out and buy that book and finally understand it. And I'm going to say something real quick about that, because, you know, we had a soft disclosure from NASA a few weeks ago about the UFOs. And what's interesting about this is we need to understand something. Uh, Chuck Missler is a Bible study guy, big guy. You can get him online. He's got millions of views. And I had lunch with him a few years ago. And I remember he, I asked him, I, I was asking him about UFOs. And I said to him, I said, well, tell me about the UFOs. He says, well, he personally believes that those are, you know, fallen angels or demons or whatever. And I said to him, I said, well, why would an angel need a spaceship? And he said something very succinct, and I've never forgotten what he said. He goes, why do we think we can tell angels how they're supposed to get around the universe? And I thought, well, I've really yeah. never thought about that. <laughs> I've never really thought about that. And he goes, we know they're interdimensional beings, but we have no idea, you know, in the book of Ezekiel and a few other places in the Bible, it pretty much describes, you know, spaceships. 
And I thought, wow, this is really interesting because Chuck Misser, who's a scientist, basically a rocket scientist, a jet pioneer, had all kinds of patents, very wealthy man. He basically believes all of this stuff, and a lot of the people that are really higher up believe all of this stuff, too, that we have a situation in the United States now where we're getting a soft disclosure with UFOs, but they don't want to give us a full disclosure because then we're going to want to know who these beings are, what these beings are, and if they're satanic in nature, which I've got a feeling most of them are going to be as far as the ones that rule this planet, then what ends up happening is we don't want to be under their auspices, so we want to get rid of these guys. And then in the CIA, which we know is a satanic organization, which pretty much runs the military, which runs the Congress, which runs the country, which runs us, you know, they're controlled by the Sabbatane Kabbalists, which are the Luciferians, and they're trying to tie us into the D-Wave computer, which we've talked about many, many times. And all of these things are being funded through the international banking cartel, Joe, that you just called out because these guys have unlimited amounts of cash and they're off-book balance sheets. That's how they get the money into our country is through the Exchange Stability Fund and in their off-book accounts, off-book sh- offshore accounts. These guys can print as much United States currency as they want and nobody says anything to them because they control the Federal Reserve. And this is something that we need to understand is how they've taken this country hostage. Personally, I believe that what's happening right now is the same thing they did in the Weimar Republic in, early, in the early 20s in Germany. They hyperinflated the currency. We've done that through quantitative easing. They've held the currency inflation rates down on paper because they haven't allowed gold to respond accordingly because of naked shorts in the comics market. And what they're doing is they're buying up all of our industry. That's why the Dow is at 25000 They're buying up all the blue chips stocks. And I've, and I've documented this on your show before. They're buying up almost all of the major New York Stock Exchange corporations. It's exactly what the Rothschild banking cartel did in Germany in the early 20s. And this is the reason that Hitler hated these guys so badly, because of what they had done and how they had destroyed the economy in Germany. And when Germany came through the hyperinflation of the Weimar Republic, my mom said they were spending 40 billion marks for one loaf of bread. 40 billion marks for a loaf of bread. And she said that what happened is when they came out the other side of this, the bankers owned and everything. They owned the blue chip stocks. They owned the stock market. They owned really everything. Done it, so. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so, sorry about that. You, you know what? You cut out your uh, – the last – I don't know. I, I can't even tell. But the last maybe thirty seconds, you cut out your audio. Cut out. Okay. Well, let me let me. Let, well, I, I, I was, was I had did I gotten into the Weimar Republic yet? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and then my mom right, told right about me the, that, the forty billion uh, bread. That's right. And, and, yeah. And, and, shortly and what, thereafter, we 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 went well, dark. Well, well, what happened is they owned all the blue chip stock. They owned they owned the entire new, the whole German stock exchange by the end of the inflation cycle. Because they kept printing more and more currency to buy the stocks. And so it, when they reissued money at the Weimar Republic and they had to come out with new money, they owned everything in Germany. And this is one of the reasons that Hitler hated the international banking community so badly, because they had destroyed the middle class and the aristocracy of Germany, and they had taken over the country. And he saw what they had done. And they were also instrumental in the, Ver, in the Versailles Treaty and the basically – Fining of Germany with these just literally trillions of dollars in today's dollars of fines because of what happened with World War One, and that's what the international bankers have done. They've come, right. they've come in now to the United States. They've they've hyperinflated our currency with all of the QE two and three, four, five to infinity, and they've come in and given all of their member banks huge amounts of capital that have gone in now, bought up their own stocks again, and bought up the entire New York Stock Exchange again. So now the international banking community, even if we even if we nationalized their assets as far as the Federal Reserve, these families and these banks, which are not part of the Federal Reserve system, 
who now owned the blue chip stocks in the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ, they would still own all of the assets in the United States as far as the hard industry. That's but, the problem that we have. And that's but, why I said – go ahead, Doug. Yeah, if I can interject something here. I, that's what I – okay. And I'm glad you brought this up because the uh, – refer or the – uh, Donald Trump uh, text to Congress on December 20th or 21st referencing the executive order regarding a civil asset forfeiture and I know that there was an annex attached to that uh, uh, that EO however uh, or the uh, text it, this to me uh, to at least as far as I'm concerned this is a brilliant way in, in some respects uh, perhaps to even um, Pay down our national debt if it works, at least in theory. And, and I think that that, that might be. Um, I don't know if it fits in this discussion, but I think that that, that certainly might be uh, a maneuver by Donald Trump, that kind of a double-edged maneuver. One, of course, punishing the the human traffickers, and the other part, part of it is to uh, the civil civil asset forfeiture is going to offset perhaps the national debt. Do you think that or not? I'm just I'm curious. Okay, I'm going to read you an article. This is this is a, this is a, this. You know, Edward Griffin came out with a pretty good newsletter today, and it says the rift between Bannon and Trump is about the purge of nationalists in the United States. Now, a lot of your news. Now, I'm not saying I agree with all of this, but I'm going to read you what he said because this is some pretty good information. Because remember, Trump has more members of the CFR, which was founded during the Versailles Treaty under the League of Nations, which is about globalism in his administration, than Barack Obama did. And we have all of these people like Gottlieb, head of the Food and Drug Administration now, who's a globalist, and all of these other people that are basically Rothschild stooges through Goldman Sachs that are involved in the administration. But on the other hand, he seems to be giving us more and more of our protection of our rights, protecting our Second Amendment right, protecting our First Amendment right. So the whole thing is like, it's weird to me, Doug and Joe, so maybe you can help clarify it to me because he's like playing both ends against the middle. But here's what, this is what, Edward Griffin said, political analyst Jake Morfafinos comments on the rift between Steve Morfonius. Bannon. Morfonius. Morfonius. He's been on thank our you. show a few times. Thank you. Political analyst Jake Morfonius comments on the rift between Steve Bannon in this video that I'm looking at here and President Trump. This is the write-up that G. Edward Griffin did. He goes, Jake Morfinios, Morfinios defines nationalism as a belief that governments are best when representatives are elected from small geographical areas as close as possible to the people they represent, like our original Constitution showed us to do. Globalists believe that it is best when most governing bodies are not elected at all, but are composed of administrators appointed by globally cohesive groups of political and financial professionals who, instead of following the wishes of the people, determine policies based on what they think is best for society. To bring this about, globalists believe that nations must, must be stripped of sovereignty and be merged into a global political structure. Now, I agree with everything he just said. When Mr. Trump came into office, according to Morfinos, his first appointments consisted of one-third nationalists and two-thirds globalists. Since then, all the nationalists, including Bannon, have been removed. Today, there are no nationalists left as far as foreign policy and monetary policy are concerned. Jake concludes that the White House now is totally controlled by the deep state. And then Jim Griffin says the same thing I just said. Many of our readers are not going to like this analysis, but it is difficult to argue with the facts presented. 
and so he's recommend the, recommending the video of the war of worlds between Steve Bannon and Donald Trump. So guys, how do we reconcile the fact that he has all of these Goldman Sachs people in his administration, but yet he seems to be trying to do what's right for the American population? And like you said, with the civil, civil asset forfeiture that he signed an executive order, Doug, is it to take? Is he playing these guys against themselves? I mean, does he know what he's doing, or are we being played as the people of the United States? What do you guys think? Because I really yeah, don't know the answer. Both. To that. I, I think both is to some extent. You know, Joe and I were talking about this before the show extensively about this. Are we being played for fools? And, and, and really, okay, yeah, you said it though. I mean, with the, with the number of globalists in the administration, yet there seems to be some sort of glimmer. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, once in a while a spark from within the Oval Office, from within the White House, from within Donald Trump himself, that there's some level of recognition that, hey, you know, I'm kind of a captive here. I don't get it. I, look, I don't understand. I, I know what I well, know, but I also know what I don't know. So I don't Well, know. it's funny. Today I did on my show, the people people here at 10 o'clock tonight to hear my show today, and I started off, I'm not going to do it again because you can listen to it when the show's over with this show. Uh, I, t- I did a whole breakdown on dispensationalism and the Schofield Bible and Zionism and all these different things that are really affecting the United States right now. And I asked a bunch of questions to the audience today. So if you guys are more interested in that, you know, go ahead and listen to the show because it, it makes more sense to me than anything else. And a lot of the information came from Chuck Baldwin's latest newsletter he just came out with like today or yesterday in which he talks about this and dispensationalism which is a which is a, which is a which is a which is a Christian belief for most Christians. And what's interesting about this is is that, you know, it, something just doesn't feel right, Doug and Joe. I mean, I know the stock market's at highs. I got that. But that's because they're buying up the stock market with the with the doggone banks are buying up the market. I got that. So they're they're pushing the numbers up. They're running naked shorts on an ongoing basis on gold and silver, keeping the prices suppressed. The same globalists, the same Rothschild boys are doing that. All of these things are used almost as theater to keep us entertained so we have things to talk about, so we don't try to pick up the shell game and find out there really is a marble under the shells and who's behind the curtain. That's what it looks like to me. Now, is Trump really who he says he is? I don't know. I mean, none of us know. Now, all of a sudden, Steve Bannon, who is one of his top guys, has completely turned against him to such a point that Trump is threatening him with legal action as far as for defamation if he releases the information that he has and this book comes out. I mean, which is the worst thing Trump could have done because now that book well, will sell, that's not that his book book. sell 100. Yeah. So it's sell 100 times more copies than it ever would have sold. It's not his book. You know? The book it's was Wolf's done by book. a political yeah. hack, Michael Wolf, who's known for misleading and taking things way out of context, but... See, the thing with the lawyers getting involved on, on Bannon from Trump is because Bannon has signed non-disclosure agreements as being part of employment in the White House, and he, I think he's violating those, which is why Man, we see the, the cease and desist letters being issued. Ted, we're up against the break. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman Report on this Friday, January 5th, 2018, I almost said 2017, with Dr. Ted Brewer. When we come back, we're going to hear from Ted for another half hour, then be joined by his wife, Sharon, as she joins us when Ted comes on and talks about a number of important nutritional things from an age and so much more. We'll be back with a half hour from Ted, followed by Sharon, right after this.
guest, of course, is Dr. Ted Brewer, HealthMasters.com. Coupon code Doug5. Hey, did you folks try American History Tellers yet? Download, uh, go to any place where, um, Apple Pod, or go, go to your Apple Podcast or any place you download your, your favorite podcast. Try American History Tellers. It's really a, just a really neat, uh, service. History from a first person perspective. It's really a great, uh, great product. American History Tellers. That's American History Tellers. Uh, also, healthmasters.com, healthmasters.com, Doug5, coupon code for everything except the kits. Orders over $200 this week as well. Get, I'll tell you what, you can get the uh, uh, insurance cookbook, which is a great, I mean, it, it's a great resource, free for orders over tw- uh, $200, minus, of course, the kit, or uh, for orders over $200. No shipping, by the way, on the book as well, free shipping on the, as well. Did I get that right, Ted? Hundred dollars of the stuff you get free shipping anyhow. So we just put the book in your order. Right. Okay. But right. you don't get the you don't the book the book has the book the book's twenty nine dollars the hard copy and the shipping's right. like eight dollars on it. But it is it is available on Kindle if you want to have it on Kindle for your iPad. And we dropped the price on the Kindle to nine ninety five. So it's a phenomenal value on Kindle, and it gives you the opportunity to have the book and and basically you can use your iPad then in the kitchen to cook with. The problem with that is you just don't want to get your iPad wet. And that's really really important because if you get your iPad wet, then you're gonna have a situation where it's not gonna work. And that's going to be a mess. Oh, by the way, did you hear about the latest thing with Israel? I love this. Let me give, give Israel a heads up on this one. Israel is now telling the illegal African immigrants that snuck in before they got the wall up with Egypt, there's some 38,000 of them left, that they're going to give them $3,500 and a ticket home or they're sending them to prison. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second. Thirty. Say what? They're, Let me read actually... you the this, 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 I gotta, I gotta, this, this is, I gotta give Israel credit on this, man. This is, this is good because all the, but the problem is Israel gets to get a pass on this. If anybody else did this, they'd say, oh, they're a bunch of racists. You can't do it. But Israel tells illegal African immigrants to accept a free ticket home or go to prison. Israel announced it would pay African immigrants living in the country illegally $3,500 plus a free airline ticket to return to their home countries or third world countries like Rwanda and Uganda. Officials told the immigrants they would face jail time if they did not leave by spring 2018. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu characterized the resettlement of African migrants in Israel as disruptive. How about that? To the country's culture. How about that? And social cohesion. And yeah, but $3,500, they could buy a village in Uganda. I'm sorry. It goes, before Israel completed a barrier along its border with Egypt in 2013, about 60,000 African migrants came across the desert and settled in the Tel Aviv area. Many of the illegal immigrants say they fled violence and persecution, but Israel treats them as economic migrants. About 38,000 African migrants are still living illegally in Israel as of this year. And immigrant, however, Israel will only and has only granted asylum to fewer than 1% of those who applied with the aim of getting the migrants out of their country and back into their own countries. And I think that's absolutely wonderful. The problem is the mainstream media would never, ever, ever report on this. This is from Ian Griffin again, uh, because this is, you know, this is, you can't say this. This is not politically correct to say this in Germany or to say this in the United States, but it's the truth. Just give them some cash because the social welfare system is going to be collapsed by them. Give them an airplane ticket. Tell them to go home. You give them thirty-five hundred dollars. You take a send them back to Sudan. That's like a small fortune now, there, Doug and Joe, and they'll yeah. be able to actually live on that for a very long period of time. And it will stop this constant influx or this 
this cultural degradation, as they call it, in Israel. So I got to give Israel kudos on this one. They're calling it out, saying no more, get out of here, guys. And quite frankly, you know, Angela Merkel's trying to put together another coalition together with her government now because the faction in Germany now that's against all of this massive immigration in Germany is basically still standing against her. And she's doing very well. Angela Merkel, personally, now think about this for a second. Angela Merkel was raised in Eastern Germany. She was raised as a hardcore communist. Hardcore. Hardcore communist. And she became Chancellor of Germany. Now, I'm just going to give you a supposition here. Now, I'm not sure if this is true. I'm just looking at the facts. The Germans and the Russians absolutely hated each other after during World War II. I mean, Hitler attacked Russia. Russia attacked Germany. They killed millions of each other's people. I mean, it was awful. And then the Russians continued to hate the Germans even after they took over East Germany after World War II was over with. And Roosevelt basically handed you know half of Europe over to the Russians along with Churchill. And what's interesting about this is there was tremendous suppression from the Russians to the Germans living in eastern Germany. In fact, the Berlin Wall had to be put up because they were all trying to flee out of Berlin. We all know the stories. Now, in the middle of this, Angela Merkel's being raised with all of this absolute hatred towards anything but communism. They make her president of Germany or chancellor of Germany, and she basically throws the doors open and tells the entire planet to come to Germany. Metaphorically, she didn't actually do that, but that's what ended up happening. And now she has absolutely crippled Germany from a migrant invasion, in which they're creating some of the worst areas now for migrant crime in Germany and in Sweden and in France and in Italy, all over the place because of Angela Merkel's policies. So to me, it seems strange to put a person into power with that much authority and ability who was a absolutely stone-cold, hard communist for most of her adult life when she was young, and now she's running Germany and basically running the entire continent into a ditch with her crazy immigration policies. What do you guys think about putting a communist into that position who absolutely loathed Germany to start with and had been trained that way by the Russians? Well, so putting we a planned out, putting a communist as a world leader in any country is already a bad idea. And Ted, I don't know if you saw the new study that came out from the uh, one of the interior ministries of Germany on mass migration and the rise of violent crime. But today there were study. There was a study released that showed, uh, you know, there was almost a tenfold increase in violent crime directly related, violent crime and sexual assaults directly related to the surge in uh, migration, forced migration. Yes, that's that's exactly right. In fact, I've got my I, a few years ago, I took Sharon over to the Christmas markets and Savannah over to the Christmas markets in Germany. So I had Savannah was probably she's 15 now. That's probably two years ago. She was probably 13 then. And we went to uh, Frankfurt. And I remember the hotel was only like a kilometer away from the Christmas markets. And we, I told the guys at the front desk, at the concierge desk, I said, I tell you what, we're going to just walk over there. They said, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, why can't we just walk? They said, it's not safe. I said, this is Germany. And they said, yeah, not anymore. <laughs> this is basically Islamia, you know, Islam, Islam here. This, this is, you don't understand. Your women can't walk on the street at night. It's not safe. Uh, what we'll do, we'll arrange a car for you at no cost from the hotel, and we'll take you to the markets and make sure you take a taxi back from the markets. Do not walk a kilometer, which is like half a mile. Do not allow them to do that. It is not safe, and there's a high probability they're going to be raped or killed. And this is Frankfurt, Germany, and they never had they never had these problems in Frankfurt before. And see, and this is what's happened because you know in Cologne, what over a thousand women got had gotten basically molested. 
a couple of years ago with all these migrants. And did you see the one? Did you see the one tweet from that one German lady who was a, like a equivalent of a congressman? She said, "We have the the the, the barbaric Muslim gang raping hordes that have come into Germany, and we need to stop this." And she was basically censored, I think, on Facebook and on Twitter because that's what she actually she actually wrote that. So I wrote it on my article. We talked. We reported this. It was the the the, the, the gangs of barbaric. Muslim gang raping hordes have come into Europe. And guys, I understand that not all Muslims rape people. I got that. But when you're in a culture where if a woman's not wearing the proper attire and she's basically fair game to have sex with her rape and you come in from a culture where that's okay and you get brought into a first world culture where that's not okay and you've been raised your entire life like that and that's how you think, it really doesn't mesh well with the culture you're going into. I don't have a problem because I know a lot of people that are, that, are, that are Muslims. They're friends of mine. They don't believe that way. They don't do things like that. And they're as aghast as we are that these Muslim hordes are coming into Europe and into Sweden and doing these rapes on an ongoing basis. Because, guys, none of this stuff is okay. None of it's okay. The problem is we've been conditioned culturally now because of TV in the United States and in Germany that if we say anything about anyone, we're considered to be a racist. Let me give you an example. This is something I had to read twice. This is from an academic journal. Professor says classroom civility promotes white racial power. So when you're nice in a classroom and you're civil and you're not rioting or cussing or standing up on your chair yelling and hollering at the professor and other students, you're promoting white racial power. In a recent academic journal, two University of Northern Iowa professors blast the prevalence of whiteness informed civility in college classrooms, saying that civil behavior by white people reinforces white racial power. They say that endeavoring to treat everyone the same, regardless of race, for instance, functions to erase racial identity in the attempt to impose a race evasive frame on race talk. So they say when you try to treat everybody like they're all the same person and there's no racial prejudice, that you're being a racist for being nice to the people and being civil. What do you guys think about this nonsense? Well, that's the collectivist uh, mentality, the snapping of the collective uh, collectivist uh, mind. It's it's insanity, obviously. Uh, that's in America, by the way. Did you say? Yes, yes. And 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 there's another article that says why the left promotes racism against white people. And this is a very interesting article that was done on a website, a video by Tucker Carlson. It says, Tucker Carlson interviews Professor Jason Nichols of the University of Maryland about the double standard in mainstream media when it comes to race. It now is fashionable for the left to criticize white people and white privilege for literally every problem and injustice imaginable. Increasingly, Ted, yes, buddy. Ted, not, not to interrupt, but did you see the BuzzFeed article before the new year? It was 39 things that white people ruin, and they they published it, and it was and any and everything from macaroni and cheese to America. Yes. And uh, it's yeah, it, it's so funny that this uh, uh, the leftist ideology of tolerance and compassion and anti-fascism and racism are the first ones to be racist, especially against people that they don't agree with. So uh, they're the. Well, you see the one argument. You see the one professor who has since resigned, who said that his wish for Christmas to have was to have white genocide. Yeah, yeah. That's genocide. their love and tolerance. 
let me finish reading this little this paragraph. Increasingly, the Marxist narrative is that wealth and advantage among white people has come not from productivity or creativity or discipline or work ethic, but from a capitalist system that exploits the working class. In other words, the Protestant work ethic, which developed the United States and everybody worked their butts off to become the greatest country in the world, has nothing to do with work. It's all about basically exploiting the working class. This narrative is an important part of the psychological conditioning of the masses, including white people, to believe that the only way to eliminate poverty and injustice is to eliminate the last vestiges of the old system of free enterprise and capitalism and replace it with communism or collectivism or socialism. A secondary goal of this narrative is to encourage everyone to view their racial identity as the most important aspect of their life and thereby yet drive one of the more spears into the heart of America. The ploy is as old as warfare. It is called divide and conquer. So what they're saying is that white people and the Protestant work ethic that basically, you know, first came to this country, and of course we know that the slavery was done also in many of the states after that for 400 years in the United States. We've got all of the stuff that was going on with all that for about 300 years. We, we know all of that, but they're saying that the whites had nothing to do with any of this, that it was all about basically suppressing a minority to allow themselves to become successful in a capitalist society, which is straight out of the Lenin Marxist handbook, guys. This is right out of Saul Alinsky stuff. That's who these guys are, and that's what they're putting on their country, and that's how they're trying to brainwash everybody. What do you think? Well, look who Hillary Clinton's mentor was, Saul Alinsky. Saul Alinsky. And, yeah, that's I right. mean, it, it's, uh, I, I, this is something that I've been, I've been talking about, and I'm probably going to put together an article about it, but, you know, the left really, uh, especially the, the extreme left, the progressive socialist communists, don't have any belief in God, and their ideology is their religion. So they like to, uh, you know, try to force their religion onto everybody else. But this is what they, this is what they believe in at, at their foundation. They don't have a belief in God. They have a belief in their ideology. Well, they do. But, but, but you know what's interesting about this, Joe, is that they don't want you to know what they believe in. They don't, they're not, the hardcore Leninists, the hardcore guys in the very beginning, they weren't atheists. They were Luciferians. They were Satanists. They were part of that Sabbatine Kabbalist group over there in Russia, part of the Rothschild group, the guys that funded this entire you know, Bolshevik revolution. It's, they, they promote atheism and that the God is the state, but in reality, they don't at the high levels believe that. They believe in Lucifer as their God and as their companion, so to speak. And what they do when you get into the high levels, they start talking about all of this, but they want the masses to be atheists because the atheists are easier to control, especially when they start promoting the Darwinian theories to these people about how they all came from monkeys and apes and you know, lightning hit a rock one time and caused a peptide to form and that peptide turned into a human being, which is absolutely stupid. And they want people to believe this stuff because it makes us like animals and not created in God's image. Now, they themselves believe that Lucifer is God. And what they want to do is they want to get everybody to a point where the entire world gets so bad that they can go in and cause a world war with all this divide and conquer that they're doing, and then they want to bring Lucifer in as their god and basically uh, you know, cut him in the back of the temple, bleed him in the Holy of Holies when they rebuild the temple, and put him in position of power globally. This is what they believe. This is what they, they, That's why they call themselves the Bedain de Dephilim, the constant, which is the sons of the fallen. This is who these guys are. So at the very core of communism, it's Satanism. And people need to understand that, but they don't want the people that are involved to say that and to do that. They'd rather say they're atheists, because 
most people are not going to want to worship Lucifer. They're, if they're given an option, they're not going to do that. But they, if they can make them atheist or agnostic and destroy their faith and their values. See, these guys have an atavistic hatred of white people and Protestants and Christians. They don't want white people or Protestants telling them how they should live based upon New Testament ideology. They don't want that. They absolutely don't want to have anything to do with people who believe in the Bible or the New Testament because they're Luciferians. And so they have this deep, deep-seated hatred. That's why they control the pornography industry in Hollywood, because they're trying to destroy everything that God did for this country. They're trying to turn everything upside down, because remember, the Bible says that in the latter days, what will be considered good will be considered evil, what will be considered evil will be considered good. That's who these guys are. And we, if we have, we have this, is, this is what all this child trafficking is about. This is all this spirit cooking is all about. This is all of this childhood sacrifice is all about. This is what all of these things center back on is the Luciferian agenda. This is why Albert Pike, he wrote in his book Morals and Dogma, he wrote about the seething energies of Lucifer and how they want to replace the world religions with this religion to Lucifer in order to bring in the kingdom of Lucifer on this planet. And they're tying that together with the teachings of the Sabbatean Kabbalists, which want to resurrect their serpent god from the pit. All these guys are running the world politics. They're running the world banks. They're the globalists that want collectivism and socialism globally. And that's why I don't trust these guys. You know, the Bible says, you know, when everything's going great, 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 you might want to kind of look around because things may not be so great after all. Things may start getting real bad real quick. And see, that's what we have to understand. These guys like to bait and switch everybody. Do what they, they want you to think they're doing one thing, but it's all subterfuge because these guys are like, for better term of the word, they're like they're like magicians and warlocks and basically wizards, and that's what they see. I have a friend of mine; uh, he wanted to learn Hebrew. He's a Jewish fellow, but he's also born again Christian. And he actually went to a synagogue in New York City, and he asked them. He said, "I want you guys to teach me Hebrew." And they found that he was a Christian, but he was also Jewish. But he had converted to Christ, and they told him, "They said, well, your understanding of what's going on is not what we see it as going on." in this particular synagogue. And I'm not saying they're all like this, but this is the one he went to. He said, we're more like wizards and warlocks and all the other things that we're involved in. He says, it's not what you think with the Old Testament. See, and this is the thing we've got to understand. When these Sabbatians have basically infiltrated a lot of different groups, they don't want people to realize who and what they are and what they really believe. Because this is all the Sabbatian Levy you know, teachings that we've covered multiple times on your show, who is claiming to be the Messiah back in the 16-1700s. Guys, this is the group that basically worships Lucifer. They consider themselves to be the benign D. Nephilim. They say they can trace their lineage all the way back to Cain. And I'm not saying I believe any of this stuff. I'm just telling you what these guys believe. And these are the guys that are running the World Bank and the world financial systems. And these are the guys that are trying to bring in the New World Order, the One World Government, and the One World Religion, according to Albert Pike, who was the head Masonic leader back in the 1860s and 70s when he wrote his book Morals and Dogma. Remember, he's the one that President Johnson basically, after he took over from Lincoln, pardoned and Johnson was pretty much impeached over what he had done as far as pardoning of Pike. And so the reason he pardoned Pike is that Pike was higher up in the Masonic lodges than he was. Now, the base order Masonic people, the, the people who just start in, you know, Demolay or they just get involved because they were doing it from a social standpoint in Masonic lodges, they have no idea that the hierarchy of the leadership of these people are really kind of are kind of messed up, are really messed up because they don't have any idea this is going on. It's only when you get to the, like that 33 degree Mason level that you start putting all the pieces of this puzzle together. And that's why we have to understand, guys. That's why if you read that book, Operation Gladio, the unholy alliance between the CIA, the Vatican, and the mafia, 
It ties together all of these different groups of people along with the international monetary funds and the international banks and how they all work together to are now are working together to enslave the entire population of the planet, particularly the United States, to opioids right now and how they've gone from 450 square miles of poppy planting in Afghanistan in 2016 to over 1,000 square miles of poppy planting from 4,500 metric tons. I'm sorry, it was 500 miles, 500 square miles of uh, poppies in 2016 to 1,000 square miles of poppy planting now from 4,500 metric tons of, of heroin, of, of opium, to over 10,000 metric tons now of heroin that, that have been produced out of Afghanistan coming into the United States via the CIA. But nobody will talk about this. Trump doesn't talk about it. The vast majority of the talk shows on alternative media, they won't talk about it. I mean, some of the guys, you try to ask them questions on stuff like this, and I've seen it repeatedly, like on Alex's show. He'll say something to him about this. They change the subject. They don't want to talk about it. And these are some of his inside sources. Why? Because that's getting too serious when you start talking about all of the stuff that the CIA is involved in and what they're doing as far as drug running out of Southeast Asia, out of Afghanistan, out of Mexico, out of South America. And, guys, we need to understand something. Until we clean this deep state mess up and we get these globalists out of the White House and out of the cabinet, out of positions of power, it's not going to be fixed. And also, until we get rid of the Federal Reserve Bank and we nationalize their assets, and like you said, Doug, maybe that's why he did this with the human trafficking, because he wants to nationalize these assets of these organizations that have done a lot of this stuff and have profited on this stuff, and perhaps he will use this to pay off part of the national debt, or perhaps he'll seize their assets, including their stock purchases, and basically nationalize that and allow it to be returned to the people of the United States. I have no idea. What do you guys think? Well, you know, we've been. This is a, a theme that we've been talking about all night, but we don't know the true reason for that uh, forfeit at seizure. Uh, executive order that Trump has put out. There's a lot of different speculation as to what it will be used for, who it will be used against, but it definitely is a good start, and hopefully, it's a deterrent um, for people to, you know, uh, take their stuff out of the U.S. or stop doing what they're doing. I doubt that's the case, but it's a start. Well, look at look at Germany. Also, this is this is this is in Berlin. Germany's top court in Europe now, in Germany, has now ruled that a transsexual woman whose frozen sperm was used to fertilize an egg can only be registered as the child's father. Plus, now they're also doing in Germany that they're going to have three different sexes now, male, female, and transgender. They're making this all legal now in Europe and in Germany to tie all of this mess together for this entire make everything upside down that God created to be good. So this stuff is not getting any better, guys. It's getting worse. The problem that we have now in the United States, because the stock market's up so much and people's 401ks are up so much, and we have a president in the White House that's a Republican who is pro-Second Amendment, a lot of people, especially alternative talk show folks, have dropped their guards down and they're not questioning some of the decisions that are being made in Washington right now, and they're thinking that everything's going to get better and better and better and better. Guys, quite frankly, the national debt and the 1.5 or 2.0 quadrillion dollars of derivatives haven't gone away. None of this stuff has gone away. It's all still there. Now, I need to you know, let everybody know that I'm really happy with a lot of the decisions that Donald Trump made, including this asset forfeiture thing that he did. And I'm also really happy about his Second Amendment stance and his freedom of speech stance. But guys, why do we have so many globalists being put into positions of authority in this administration, and why has he completely forgot about immunizations and they're linked to autism, and he has not put Kennedy 
into that particular thing that he said he was going to in the very beginning. Why is all of this stuff changing? Is he working within the parameters he's being given? I have absolutely no idea, guys. I know when John F. Kennedy decided to go against these guys and do what he wanted to do, you know, he found himself dead pretty quick. So, guys, it's one of those things. This deep state is alive and well. And Trump even called out the deep state the other day and said the FBI was part of the deep state. Now, so I don't know if he's so smart, Doug and Joe, that he's doing this little by little until he can get all his ducks in a row, line everything up, and he's going to put a big quash down on them, which I hope that's true. I hope that he comes in and says, hey, look, guys, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. We're not going to do this anymore. We're going to start closing these things up. But again, why hasn't Hillary been investigated? Why haven't all of these things been done in the last year? Maybe it's because he just wanted to get a foothold in where he was in Washington. Maybe he's such a good business guy that he didn't want to step into a situation where he was unaware of the pitfalls that he was going into until he walked gingerly through the meadow, so to speak, for a year to try to figure out what he could and couldn't do without massive blowback. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, 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 that's a possibility. You know, if we are to adhere to the thought that perhaps that once in that office you're sat down or somebody sits you down and says, okay, here are the rules, or here is how we play this game, um, and given some choices. I suspect that could very well have happened. You know, I, I, look, I don't know, but I'll tell you something. I, I do think that, um, yeah, I, look, I, well, wow. And you know what? We're getting close to the bottom of the hour. But but the bottom line on this is, I I think I think Donald Trump at this point is is or has been uh, isolated from his uh, mandate that he went into office on at least the the you know the major por- portion of the mandate, and of course the Obama holdovers. In the deep state, or just throwing impediments every stretch of the way, every part of the way. So, yeah, you, you, yeah. I'm just going to say. Well, yes. well I, can, I can say this. Obama, because he's in complete, the globals were in complete control of him, did more to damage this country as far as race relations and the integrity oh, yeah. of the United States of America in eight years than any president ever has in the history of the country, if, if, with perhaps the exception of Abraham Lincoln with the Civil War. So, on, I mean. You know, so, so he did. And so, and secondly, I can say to everybody listening tonight, I am so glad since the only two choices we were given was the witch of Benghazi or Trump, that Trump won. Because quite Amen. frankly, having to deal with this mess with Hillary, who was completely and totally opposed to everything Christian, I mean, good grief, her doggone daughter wished the Church of Satan Happy New Year, for heaven's sakes. I mean, this is just nuts stuff. These people are nuts. And Hillary, remember that one email that came in? said that you know they were talking about how she may have to get the old rabbit foot out and go sacrifice a chicken to Moloch in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Doug and Joe, who, who talks like that? Who talks in, like that? No one I know. Yeah. Satanist. Crazy. So I am so happy that the Witch of Benghazi is not in the White House, that we're not having to deal with her anymore. That you know this 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 I still think Obama's a Kenyan and I call him the gay Kenyan. I still think I am so happy the gay Kenyan is gone. I just wish he'd get out of politics and get out of just trying to get involved in world affairs. And quite frankly, I think that the country's better off with Trump. And I'm still believing God that Trump's going to get convicted, and we pray for him all the time that he's going to clean this whole mess up. And after he's been in for a few years, because remember, he wants to run for that second term. He doesn't want to get to the point where he does so many things that people hate that he'll never win the second term. If he gets in for the second term, maybe that's when he's really going to start flushing these people out, Doug and Joe, because he knows he won't be running for president again. Yeah, that's a good possibility. Well, thanks, Ted, so much. We're right at the very end. We're out of time, and we will be back with Sharon after this break. Don't go anywhere. 
back to this edition of the Hagman Report, brought to you by HealthMasters.com, the coupon code DOUG5. That's DOUG5 for 5% off all merchandise, with the exception of the packs um, on HealthMasters.com, and also over $200 get uh, Sharon's cook, uh, Karen's, yeah, Karen, Sharon, boy, can I talk? Let me try this again. <laughs> Orders over $200, you, you, you will receive Mrs. Brower's, how's that? Uh, a brand new book, of course. That's a thirty dollars value. It's 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 really a great book. We've got a copy here. My wife loves it as well. Sharon, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you so much. I assume Doug's Doug and Joe are there tonight, right? <laughs> yeah, we're both here. Jug is here. Oh, okay, I mean, good, or good. whatever. Well, thank yeah. you for sending us all this cold weather down to Florida. <laughs> oh yeah, you got you got to come up here. Okay, don't 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 even. <laughs> <sighs> you got, you guys would laugh at us, you know, it's maybe in the 40s or the high 30s, and we look like the embalmable snowman. We're so, you know, covered up and everything. Everybody thinks that we're crazy down here, but <laughs> we're slowly getting used to it. But, guys, tonight I want to talk about inflammation. I think that's a real important topic. And every time we do a show, I just pray for the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me as what I need to talk about because... There's an audience out there that are wonderful, and we want to give them as much information as we can and really help teach them, educate them, get them informed so they can help others because the Hagmans, the Browers, we all can't do it by ourselves. We depend on all of the listeners to just spread the word, especially to spread the word and really build this patriot movement. And Doug and Joe... You guys are just amazing. Your show is amazing, and just thank you for allowing us to be able to talk to your audience and just, you know, be able to make a deposit. Well, thanks for spending the time, Sharon, and coming on and sharing with our audience. Well, you know, when something harmful or irritating affects a part of our body, there's a biological response to try to remove it, and that response is inflammation. And most of the insidious, distressing diseases today have one trait in common. That's inflammation. I think we all deal with it somewhat or another. But the good news is, is that inflammation can be greatly helped by making simple changes in a person's diet along with supplementation. And that's usually what the key is when you've got, you know, why wait till you're in such bad shape and you've got to be hospitalized or you have to go to the doctor? It makes a lot more sense to start working on it, avoiding the foods, eating the right foods, taking the right supplements, and avoiding the whole issue and not having to go to the doctor. Because just if, unless you've ever been in the hospital, I mean, I've, I know one day in the hospital, one week in the hospital, one doctor's visit is just, it's so expensive today. But the whole key is we deal with preventative health care. And we just like... I mean, we get so much enjoyment of just kind of like being a beacon of health and nutrition around the world and just helping people prevent sickness and disease. Because if you can prevent it, you're going to save a lot more money than having to just go in there and just have them start testing you and seeing, you know, what's experimenting, really. Most of the time, a lot of, a lot of the time, the doctors have to guess because they don't know. And then, you know, it may lead to something else. But the good news is that there's four key elements, first of all, that influence the interaction that leads to inflammation. It's infection, toxins, injury, and heredity. 
And like I was saying, the good news is what you eat influences all four factors. So at least that means that we can do something about it. We can help get rid of it by our diet. Now, many of you may be like me. I've, through the holidays, I've got some of the little extra, I guess you'd call it a spare tire around my waist, and I don't like that. It just, it really bothers me. But I, I fight the holidays like everybody else. We happen to have Ted's birthday the 1st of November, Alexis's birthday the end of November, Savannah's birthday the 1st of December, oh, and Thanksgiving, then Savannah's birthday the 1st of December, then Christmas, and now we're waiting for Kendall to be here any, well, sometime tonight or tomorrow, and so we'll have another January baby, then my birthday's in January. So we're a real close family, and we make a big deal about birthdays. So from November to January, oh, my goodness, it seems like there's always birthday celebration, and that seems to be the challenging time to keep your weight off and to fight the, the belly fat thing is what I'm talking about. You know, you cut your calories, you start working out, you don't eat after 8 o'clock, but you still are fighting that. And one cause may be to chronic low-grade inflammation. I know over the holidays I've been dealing with it, and now I've just really gotten tied on my diet. But we're human just like everybody else. Every now and then, you know, I'll eat sugar. But I've found, and what I want to talk to you all tonight is that I, I don't have that luxury anymore because it affects me in such a negative way that it's not worth it. I know how many times I've gone out, and you guys probably have done the same thing. You're so good on your diet, and we love to go to this German bakery in Lajas. Ted's one of his best friends. Germany owns this bakery. And all he does the whole time we're there, Doug and Joe, is bring out all this food. And I'm saying, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. And then every now and then I'll eat a little bit because after a while, I don't want him to think I'm being snooty or rude or what, but he, he's got the idea. But, you know, that sugar, that little bit of sugar I eat, it instantly triggers a reaction where I want more. The longer you can stay away from sugar, the easier it is to stay off of it and let your body start craving other foods like salads or things that, you know, maybe some meals that you really like. But the minute you get off that and you start eating sugar, it's like alcohol. You're going to want another one and another and another. And then you're going to find yourself having to fight to get off sugar again. And if you've ever been addicted to sugar like I was before I met my husband, I was a sugarholic. I was borderline diabetic. And, you know, Ted said you have two choices. You can go cold turkey get off the sugar, have headaches, or you can go to the doctor and they're just going to put you on insulin. So, of course, I went cold turkey, had excruciating headaches in my temples for about a week, but I finally got off of it. But again, like an alcoholic, the sugar works the same way. I have to be very careful because one dessert is just going to trigger that response and I'm going to want another one. So that's how I look at it. If you can just try and stay away from it, but sugar is probably one of the worst things as far as inflammation, and you want to stay away from it. More and more research are now confirming that certain foods continue to con that con contribute to chronic inflammation. So there's more and more research showing this, and more and more studies showing this, and people have just got to realize it's something that's not good for you, especially if you're, you're having problems with your joints, um, any type of inflammatory disease. When you eat the foods that are high in inflammatory agents, 
on a regular basis, your immune system continually is compromised by the consistent inflammatory response. So it's like a non-ending response. And this can lead to weight gain. It can lead to drowsiness, skin problems, digestive issues, plus an array of diseases from obesity, diabetes, and cancer. A good diet can stop inflammation over time. But again, it takes discipline and it takes consistency. Sugar actually, like fructose and sucrose, actually is the worst thing you can eat for inflammation. It's actually one of the things that it also draws calcium out of your bones, makes your bones brittle. I've, and I may, I may, you may have heard me say this before. I've actually take, eaten so much sugar at times, or for me it would be a lot, that I, or I'd, I'd eat one thing and all of a sudden I would get just my spine would just start hurting because I'm just I'm not used to it and I just the sugar automatically works it starts depleting the um, calcium out of your bones so if you got any problems with bones or osteoporosis you definitely want to be off the sugar the sugar triggers the release of an excuse me of an inflammatory messenger called cytokines and that's how it works uh, replacements for that would be monk fruit stevia again in our cookbook we talk about that and I'll say this again, the cookbook we're talking about isn't just a cookbook. So don't think, oh, I don't want a cookbook, I don't cook. It's also a health manual. It covers a lot of other things, too, as far as staying healthy. The next thing, as far as one of the top infl inflammatory foods, would be vegetable oils. Now, you know they were talking about hydrogenated oils and how bad they were, so people started using other oils to get away from that. But they're using the soy oil and the corn oil, safflower, sunflower, or palm oil. And these are high in inflammatory fat omega-6s. And they're low in anti-inflammatory fat omega-3s. Because the, the ratio for those two, the omega-3s and omega-6s, should be a 1 to 1 ratio. But the average person, it's a 20 to 1 ratio. And again, it's the oils. They're very high in inflammation, in inflammatory properties. The next one would be refined carbohydrates. That would be your white flour products, your white rice, your white potatoes. Pretty much anything white is going to react in your body like sugar. It's going to cause inflammation. And these fuel the production of AG, uh, AGEs, which is advanced glycogen end. And these products stimulate inflammation. So it's just best to stay away from them. What you need to do is use more of your whole wheats. If you if you have any gluten intolerance, then use your gluten free excuse me gluten free flours. And there's all kinds of brown rices that you can use, organic brown rices, white potatoes. They're going to act just like sugar in your body. Every now and then it's okay, but again, if you want to have joint issues and stuff like that, it's just it's it, it's not going to help. Sweet potatoes don't do that. Sweet potatoes are really good. We we eat sweet potatoes all the time. They don't cause inflammation. So if you get used to that, another thing we do is uh, it is in the cookbook is we take cauliflower and steam it, and I put it in a food processor with a little Parmesan cheese and um, what else do I put in there? Maybe olive oil or butter or whatever. It's not super low in calories, 
But by the time you get done, it's like mashed potatoes. It's creamy just like mashed potatoes, and they're really good. Of course, they don't taste like a potato, but they, they're a good replacement, so you don't feel like you have to give it up. The next thing would be the artificial additives. Artificial meaning not found in nature, and it means that your body can't process it. In our book, uh, Eat Clean and Be Healthy, we talk about the 12, excuse me, the dirty dozen. And those are the 12 poisons to avoid. Get that and read up on those and stay away from them because artificial additives are one of them. And your body, they can't process it and it disrupts the, bio the bacteria makeup of the gut, which leads to inflammation. So you've got to keep the, the, the gut flora in balance through what you're eating. That's why a lot of people have inflammation that have all these digestive problems. Another thing would be the processed meats, like your, your luncheon meats, your hot dogs, oh, anything that's processed. Uh, I don't even eat the other things. I can't, there's stuff out there that I, I wouldn't even feed to my dog. I mean, I know one time we went to Germany and oh my goodness, his name's Uncle Fritz. You can imagine, and he gets this can and just scoop, uh, takes the lid off of it and scoops this big glob of brownish meat. And I said, "What in the world was it?" Well, it was like spam. I, I heard of spam, you know, back when I was a kid, but I didn't know people still ate it. That is the gosh worst office thing. I just, I just can't even imagine eating that stuff. It's horrible. And he was eating it, but, you know, they eat pork. They don't care about the diet. But um, the processed meats, anything like that, uh, the artificial sweeteners like NutraSweet, that's super, super highly inflammatory. It's very important to stay off of the sodas, which have the sugar, are inflammatory. So if you're addicted to sodas, find a beverage, green tea, um, lemonade, sweeten it with monk fruit, anything you can find to replace the soda. Even if you have to put a little bit of carbonated water in it to get used to back, you know, just gradually getting off of it to wean yourself off of it, it would be really a good idea to do that because all those are going to do is just make it worse drinking the sodas all the time. Too much dairy is highly inflammatory also. Now, dairy is a funny thing. Some people are allergic to it. We we get the uh, what is it? Stony uh, Organic Valley uh, grass milk, and that works really well because it's pasteurized, but it's not homogenized. But raw milk usually you can't go wrong wrong with raw, raw milk. It's not very easily available to get. You have to get it from the farm. We get goat's milk for Hunter, and Hunter just is thriving on the goat's milk. Kids do great on goat's milk because it's the closest thing to mother's milk. So I well, really don't... Uh, uh, sure, and I was just going to say, aren't we the only species that drinks the milk of other yes, mammals? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. We are, how, absolutely. How, how does that work? I mean, who thought of that? Well, I think we think that we have to have it, and it's, it's a beverage for us. But, you know, like I said... When, when you have goat's milk, you don't really, because until a child's weaned, they really need milk. But a lot of mothers can't nurse, and please don't give them the formulas on the market today. Those things are horrible with so much poison. But yeah, we, we don't need the milk. We don't need that much dairy. 
If you're going to eat dairy, try and get a little bit lower fat dairy, but make sure it's organic because, again, you're going to end up with all the pesticides and the hormones and the antibiotics and all that stuff in it. And now, of all things, we've got to add, okay, have the cows that produce the milk for this, are they eating GMO corn? I mean, I'm so over having to just, it just gets worse and worse, having to figure out what's in this and what's in that. But a little bit of dairy isn't bad unless you're allergic to it because if you have an allergy, again, there's inflammation again. So food allergies, they do cause inflammation, but I know I had an egg allergy and eggs are a really important part of our diet. We really believe in eggs, organic eggs. They don't cause high cholesterol. That's a fallacy. That was back when, oh, back in the 50s when the cereal manufacturers were wanting to really promote cereals because that's back when the processed foods were becoming more and more popular and they didn't want you eating eggs. They wanted you eating cereals. So they said that, you know, the eggs made your cholesterol go up. They don't. They don't. Eat good, high-quality eggs, and we've never had anybody have high cholesterol from eating high-quality eggs. But... It's just, there's just certain things you can do and certain things if you get in the habit of doing, your body is going to heal itself. Believe it or not, your body is made to heal itself if it's giving the right right materials. Um, a car, if you give it the right oil, the right gas. You know, our, our daughter the other day put the wrong gas in one of our vehicles and it just stopped. I mean, you just, you can't do that. She learned real quickly, you know, some cars take diesel, some cars don't. So we had to teach her that, and that was a very expensive lesson. But what are kids for? You know, they have to learn that way. But there's also different supplements that you can take as far as inflammation. And I know I've had a lot of inflammation issues because of the sugar history I had. But really, right now, I'm in the process of really being super cautious about the sugar. And I, I've noticed my fingers... They're not stiff anymore. My fingers got really stiff from an overuse injury I did. It did it one over one day, one night. I wake up the next morning. My A couple of my joints had swelled up from an overuse injury, and they never went down. Now, you know, you talk about do-overs. Man, I wish I had that day to do over because I wouldn't have done it. How many times have we said, oh, I wish I hadn't have done this, or I wish I hadn't done that? Try and do things where you can say, boy, I'm glad I did. Because wishes and could-haves and would-haves, they just make it make it rough on life. But the thing is, I don't have any pain in my fingers. The, the, the joints never went down, but the inflammation as far as the pain is gone when I don't eat sugar and when I take certain supplements. The most important one I take is our GHI cleanse. That stuff's amazing. It it. It just works so well because it's got the um, curcumin in it, and that's a derivative of turmeric, and it's got the quercetin in it, which is a flavonoid found in a number of fruits and vegetables. It's got a lot of other things in it, but those two things are real important because turmeric, for some reason, is one of the best things you can take for anti-inflammatory agent, and it's in our GHI cleanse. So with that, I take the turmeric force that we have, and it's most turmerics on the market just have the cursemen in it. But this turmeric actually has two extracts. It's uh, a tum- what 
tumorones and cursamine. These two actually work better together, so that's why the product works so well. I know my mother, she's 82 years old. She's not on any medications. She eats like, I mean, she's, she works for Health Masters. And she's sharp as a tack, taught mental acuity. Sometimes she runs circles around me, and I say, well, that's only because I still have kids at home. But the thing is, she actually is living proof of what we do. We'll say, Mom, you got to take this. Well, her back started hurting her stuff. She said, you know, I started noticing I started taking the turmeric every day. My back's starting not to hurt. Well, I said, well, it's because you had that ice cream or something, and you had the sugar, and it caused inflammation. You know, I'm, I'm really, you know. But what do you do when your mother's 82 years old and she's that healthy? You can't really fuss at her for much, you know. I'm just, I have to be really careful because I'm pretty hard on her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another thing would be the super potent E, which is our vitamin E. The reason this works so well is because it's a gamma subtype. And the gamma subtype vitamin E is the only anti-inflammatory agent of a vitamin E. If it's not if you don't have that gamma subtype in there, then the vitamin E is not going to work as well as, you know, most vitamin E. So this is why it does work well for the inflammatory agents. Another thing would be the cod liver oil. Now, I know cod liver oil tastes terrible. It's probably one of the worst things you'll ever take. Well, not one of the worst things. I think black seed oil is pretty bad too. But my my philosophy is now over all the years and all the what 30, 30, I don't know how many years we've been in business now and we've been doing this. I don't care what anything tastes like anymore. People say, oh, it tastes so bad. I said, what's the alternative? I mean, if it tastes that bad, don't use it. Go ahead and have your ailment or whatever problem you're having and, and live with it. But I choose not to live with it. I'd rather just for that one second deal with the taste. But I take a swig of cod liver oil probably once or twice a day because it actually helps inflammatory problems, an anti-inflammatory agent. And Karen, and, I know uh, we only have a ahead. few minutes left, but doesn't that inflam inflammation get worse in the winter? Um, not really. It, it's I think it's diet change. I mean, our diets in, in the, think about the winter months, okay? Winter months, you come out of the holidays. I mean, people are so sick right now because December is probably the highest visited doctor's office visits in the whole whole year because of all the sugar everybody eats. We get off our schedule, and, you know, it's really cold down here, and my fingers and my back feel better than they did this summer. So, no, it's mainly diet. You know, people say, oh, they they, they got to get out of the cold. But I really think that's a fallacy because we've seen it over and over again. If you eat the right foods that aren't causing inflammation, you take the right supplements that aren't that are that are helping with that, you really don't have any problems. I don't know how much time I have, but real quick, the black seed oil, it's a black cumin seed oil. It's a powerful anti-inflammatory agent. So that's, those are just a few things that you can take, that you can do. I hope y'all try it and uh, send us a mail and let us know. But I'm letting you know that I, I was just over this this achiness. Oh, another thing, our joint rebuilding formula. I want to share this with you. Ted had a bad injury in his arm, and he totally healed from that. 
And I said, well, I'm going to start taking more of that because my hips were starting to hurt, you know, the, the hip flexors and everything, because I do work out really hard. And I started increasing that about, oh, about four to six a day. And oh, my goodness, by doing what I just told you as far as anti-inflammatory diet and all that, and then adding this, I'm... I, I was starting to get a little concerned. I said, wait a minute, you know, age is just a number, but um, my workouts are incredible and I can push it harder now without waking up in the morning being stiff and achy. So hopefully y'all got a lot out of that and I hope I helped some people with that. But Doug and Joe, I know it's getting time to go. Yeah, we're, and, we're out of time. And, yeah. and Sharon, you know, one of the great things that, that when you come on and talk about, we all have to get old, but you don't have to feel old. And that's something that, you know, if we work on and, and in our diet and in our supplements and taking care of ourselves, we can uh, mitigate a lot of those things that bug so many people who don't take care of themselves. That's right. That's right. Remember, age is just a number. You guys are awesome. And hopefully, uh, y'all just pray we've got a baby coming any minute. <laughs> That's awesome. And congratulations to you. Yeah, absolutely. And we, uh, we pray for the, the birth of a very healthy and happy baby. Thank y'all so much. Bless you guys. Bless, Bless you, you and, and uh, Ted and, and family. Thanks, Sharon. Appreciate it. Folks, that was Sharon Brower from healthmasters.com. Hey, hey, use the coupon code DUG5. Seriously, uh, look, we know it's going to get rocky out there. We we know it's going to get bad out there. It's already bad for many people. And, and even with the weather, just consider the weather, the stress that the weather has on all of us. My goodness, 90% of the nation in freezing uh so look yeah. this is why plus by the way did you hear this joe the outbreak of the flu up here is just well i saw i heard in, in new york and ohio it was really bad uh but in in pennsylvania last i checked it was only localized so unless something has changed no i i no i think it's i, I think you're you're i think it's accurate but the the figures are expanding within the localized Pockets. Uh, I, I don't okay. know how, how else to describe that, except to say the flu is pretty bad. And, and Stan Dale, please. Oh, we uh, got an update from Holly. Yeah. Um, let me pull that up if we just have enough time. I mean, he, he's possibly pneumonia, you know. Uh, That's what she said. Just got. This was from uh, from Wednesday. Just got back from taking Stan for chest x-rays. We'll know tomorrow whether he's got pneumonia or not. And I didn't see an email yesterday, but I bet there's one there. Anyway, I didn't look. Or I looked, but I didn't see one. So I, you know, I was going to send an email, but you know how you when you're sick and you, he does not have the yeah. H3N2 strand, which right. was uh, what they were concerned about. But I don't see again a follow up on whether. Well, you know what, uh, folks, I'll tell you what. Do do us a solid, huh? <laughs> Who talks like that? No, do us a favor and, and send Stan an email of well wishes. And uh, Holly as well, because my goodness, that's uh, that's pretty rough. Yeah, it is. And, and make sure you, you tell him you, you listen to him, you know, on, on the Hagman report. That way, he knows where the well wishes are coming from. We get credit for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a great week. We yeah, had a, uh, a lot of great guests, a lot of interesting guests. I'd say one of the most popular shows of this week, judging from just the YouTube numbers, was the inter- uh, the show that we did. I think that was Wednesday with Tracy Beans. We did the first two hours, you and me, and then yeah. she came on. Yeah. That's got a lot of traction. And don't forget, oh, Patreon, Patreon this Sunday, or Patreon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna shut up. Go ahead. Uh, to, you can support us on on PayPal. Uh, also, Patreon. There is a reward system set up. If you donate twenty five dollars a month or more, you get the first Sunday broadcast with us. Well, it's more of an interactive meeting 
with us, which is going on this Sunday, then the for ten dollars a month you can have access and use the forum as much as you'd like. We, which we really want, yeah, and, we want to grow the forum a lot because I think that's such an untapped resource right now. I really do. Yep. And for those who have donated the, to the, at the twenty five dollar level at Patreon, don't forget that that uh, meeting interactive meeting with with my dad and myself is a Sunday 7 p.m. Eastern and that's going to grow too I, I would like to bring on others for example how'd you like to have just unfettered access to either quail or Steve quail or you know the people that that you just don't get the chance to talk to we, we, that's what we want to expand into that's our objective to, to just bring a, a quality product to our the people who support us we really appreciate that yeah Great week. Patreon again on Sunday, and we'll be back Monday with the Doug Hagman Radio Show at 9, the Hagman Daily Show at 2, and the Hagman Report right here at 7. Have a great weekend.